to the live Saturday night episode of Free Talk Live. We do an open phones radio show every single night, seven nights a week. Really? You can join us. Yeah. That's what we do there? That's right. You're here for two nights, so you kind of know that. I I guess so. Uh, And you can join us here on the phones at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Good to have you. <laughs> Glad you guys are here. I did, I did the maneuver, but nobody could see because the camera That's was That's why on I me. didn't ask where your, tea, where your handle or your spout was. <laughs> yeah, well, be careful of that. <laughs> uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about here tonight. The phones are open. If you want to join the show, of course, you can bring up whatever you want to discuss. That's part of the fun of doing this show is when you bring something to the table that we weren't expecting because we always bring stuff that we think is interesting and uh, to start things out here tonight you guys have some both of y'all have some kind of related stories looking at international finance if you will or money 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 situation money. uh you've got captain the uh, the saudi arabian government considering now taking other currencies for their oil that's which right would be a big change now i feel kind of like this has been going on for some time like they just keep printing the same headline over and over again are they now mm-hmm. getting more I, serious about they, considering they taking? keep they keep talking about it so okay. i mean where there's smoke there's fire generally speaking when it comes to this kind of stuff uh, the reason i brought it in tonight was because i there were actually two mentions of it that i ran across uh, in my, you know, in the news, just, you know, my social media and my news viewing and that kind of thing. But uh, I wish they would just stop talking about it and just start doing it. Like, why is this such so a hard I, decision? Right. Well, oh, I can tell you exactly why. They're, they're going to get invaded decision. by the U.S. government. Is that yeah, why? Okay. pretty much. So seriously, the second that they sell one single solitary drop of Saudi Arabian oil for anything other than u.s dollars the entire economic system of the planet collapses no come no on. absolutely absolutely so that's, that's a of, little extreme no i i think that is that is exactly where we're at so one of the biggest draws for the united states dollar one of the things that maintains its status as the world reserve currency in spite of all the things that america does in spite of them not letting certain countries have their own money in spite of uh, losing their triple a credit rating all of that A big part of that is that they are the best source for oil, and every country needs oil. The vast majority of our our food comes from oil. Our heat comes from oil. So the fact that you have this access to the the best sources of oil, because it's China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and the United States are the big sources for oil. Okay. So... And this is the thing when uh, when they closed the so-called gold window and they no longer traded gold even to other countries for U.S. dollars, what they replaced that with was the petrodollar system. So that was where they negotiated the system where NATO or sorry, not NATO, uh, OPEC Mm -hmm. and especially Saudi Arabia being the lion's share of uh, oil producing and exporting countries made the specific agreement that any two countries No matter who they are, wherever they are in the world, if they're trading this oil, they have to use dollars. This was, in fact, a a big part of why uh, uh, Saddam Hussein got overthrown. 
is because sure. he started selling, he started using, the, doing all of this trading in oil, not in U.S. dollars, but in euros. Yeah, and we saw a similar thing with Gaddafi when he said he was going to go to the gold standard exactly. there, and like, well, they just took him out. But Okay, exactly. but that doesn't explain to me, at least, why you think that there would be this economic calamity for the entire planet. Okay. I understand so, that it would put the dollar's world reserve status in jeopardy, and that it would probably start whittling away at that, but it's not yeah, going to be an over. The entire financial system of the planet is founded on the U.S. dollar being the federal, being the world's reserve currency. Now, as soon as the, these massive sources of oil can be get can be gotten for any other thing, as soon as you can take yuan and trade that for oil, all the countries of the world go, "Oh, well, I don't have enough yuan." Mm-hmm. Oh crap, I don't have any yuan. Oh, you mean so they, currencies become competitive again? Exactly. So they go, oh, well, I have Weird. all these dollars, but no yuan. So I better have less dollars and more yuan so that they can cover their bets because mm-hmm. who knows what the United States is going to decide to do. So they sell their dollars and they get yuan, exactly. which drives the price of the dollar down on the, the market. Right. Cuts it in half, destroys its place as the I, reserve currency. I can see a scenario where that happens. I just don't think like you're making it out to be instantaneous. I don't, you know, I think it'll take a course of time. I don't know what that time frame is. It could be maybe months, months years. Yeah. You know, governments are, if they're anything besides evil, they are tenacious, mm-hmm. right? And they figure out ways around stuff. You know, frequently, uh, especially if they sort of step on their own, you know, uh, genitals in the process of doing stuff. Right? They uh, they they figure out a way around it. But this does specifically say after a 48-year relationship solely with the U.S. dollar, uh, Saudi Arabia's finance minister, Mohammed al-Jadan, said the kingdom is open to trading in currencies other than the U.S. dollar. The statements follow China's President Jinping urging the Gulf monarchs to accept yuan for oil and Riyadh officials saying last March, so this is hearkening back to when we covered this last year, Mm -hmm. Uh, that the country would consider accepting the Chinese currency. So it's been talked about previously last year. And talked about. And talked about. But now they're finally saying that they are open to accepting it. Mm -hmm. That's the news here. Uh, This week, the world's elite met in the Swiss Alpine town of Davos for the 2023 World Economic Forum, and Saudi Arabia's finance minister spoke to Bloomberg TV on Tuesday uh, and said Saudi Arabia is open to trading in other currencies. There are no issues with discussing how we settle our trade arrangements, whether it's in the U.S. dollar, the euro, or the real, uh, he said. The finance minister added, I don't think we are waving away or ruling out any discussion that will help improve the trade around the world. The Saudi Arabian finance minister's statements have been interpreted as another step toward de-dollarization. To understand why Al-Jadan's comments are significant, one must go back in time. In 1971, the U.S. government and President Nixon ended the gold standard, and over the next three years, oil prices skyrocketed. Uh, In 1973 and 74, federal officials and U.S. Treasury Secretary William Simon visited with the monarchs in Riyadh. Well, okay, so there's no doubt that the dollar ending its world reserve status mm-hmm. would be bad for people holding dollars, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's 
economically a bad thing for those people. But for anybody that's smart enough to get out of the dollar and diversify prior to that, what, then that's a good them? thing, right? What, all five people that are willing to uh, hold things other than the U.S. dollar? Yeah. Well, that's going to change. It's going to be more than five once the yeah. – it's going to be a that's race exact, to do that, right? That's exactly it. That's the, the, And that's the I, thing. That's why it may be faster than you think it's going to be. Right, and that's why uh, – Oh, that's I welcome I say, the currency wars. And that's why I say the second one drop of oil gets, gets traded by Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. for anything other than dollars, because that's the thing. They have been absolutely resolute in their agreement never to trade Saudi oil for anything but dollars. Yes. Yeah. Ever like the only way that it has ever been done is by weird workarounds, and like I like I was saying, that was one of the things that got uh, 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 Saddam Hussein overthrown is that he used this workaround where oh well there was this special deal where through the UN there was the food for oil program where they would trade food and medicine for oil, but since it was being handled through this bank and by the UN, it was kind of a workaround. But he insisted that he would only do it in euros mm-hmm. and if, and the euro was having incredible trouble competing with the dollar at that point and then suddenly it shoots up to two and a half mm. uh, uh dollars per euro yeah. so if if saudi arabia breaks its agreement to never trade in anything but dollars that that eliminates one of the biggest reasons that countries are holding on to dollars Great. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, right? it's like, wonderful. Okay. Uh, again, I've been I, waiting for this Black Swan event for years. Okay, well, well, you were making it sound like this would be like total economic disaster for the entire planet, and I just don't know if that's true. The shakeup is going to be rough. And sure. No, I'm, I'm saying, uh, okay, I am saying that it is going to be a complete financial me- meltdown, mm-hmm. a complete financial collapse of the entire system. Talking about stockbrokers jumping off roofs wonderful. and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh okay. okay. Yeah, the, and yeah, you will see the the same kind of like uh, nineteen twenty nine uh, phenomena from mm-hmm. that. But yeah, and and yeah, it's going to be a, a complete collapse, which I think is great and I entirely think that's exactly necessary. What we need. Yeah. I mean the the. The idea of an entire planet running on fiat is completely insane. Well, this won't change that. What's so funny to me... What's so funny to me is that since the advent of Bitcoin and the thousands of other cryptocurrencies that exist, uh, the standards for currency have risen, right? Because cryptocurrencies Mm -hmm. are far more. They're far more valuable, in my opinion, because they can do more. That's money with programmable features, something Mm -hmm. that fiat currency cannot and does not and will not ever have, Mm -hmm. right? So as cryptocurrencies evolve, we're seeing fiat currencies, that is government sponsored government controlled currencies by these uh, central reserve banks uh, we're seeing them now have to become competitive with each other in order to remain sort of relevant on the global market and so as these fiat currencies attempt to compete with each other what they have to do is they have to at least at the very least come up to the standard of cryptocurrency which they can't do which they can't do it's right. not going to be possible so all they I, have is the cbdc the central bank digital currency idea right. which is just another you know another level of control total right. control for fiat people right so what it's doing is it's revealing fiat currency as the monopoly money that it actually mm-hmm. is yeah but that said I, I mean i appreciate your optimism and i I'm also optimistic, although over the long term, I don't think that Saudi Arabia saying, yeah, we'll take uh, the Chinese yuan and we'll take the euro. They're not going to they're the odds that they're going to say and Bitcoin 
Oh, it doesn't matter. Or well, near no, zero. No, no, no. I'm not no, even talking about the countries matter. accepting. I'm just saying that fiat currencies, that which is government-sponsored money, are not only entering a war sort of with themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that is the yuan versus the dollar versus the rupee versus you know all the yeah. the state-sponsored currencies. They're entering a war with themselves, but because this other thing exists, known as cryptocurrency, there's now a standard that these fiat currencies. Like we'll be forced to strive to achieve. They're never going to do no. it, but because there's this other thing out here, they're going to be forced to attempt to, and that's why we're going to see the CBDCs and things of that nature. They're yeah. going to be forced to attempt to come up to that standard, or at least create something that is interchangeable with that. But my whole point is that all currency should be competitive. And if your sure. currency that, that you're pimping, whether you're a state, uh, a local organization, or a decentralized thing, uh, should all be on the same playing field competing with each other. And that's how it should be. And the one with the or ones with the most value for your chosen interaction are the ones you should use. If mm-hmm. it doesn't have any value, if I'm doing a, an exchange with Peakless Mountaineer, and it doesn't make sense for me to exchange in yuan. Why would I? I should use the currency that is the least cost and the most valuable to the two of us in our individual exchange. And that should go for every exchange between humans on planet Earth. You should use the currency best suited to your specific exchange. And that's exactly why I say it doesn't matter if they don't, especially initially, accept Bitcoin for it. It doesn't matter because you break the dam. Like right now, what we have is an enforced monopoly. Mm -hmm. And as uh, we're familiar with, uh, the, the free market does not allow monopolies to exist for any noticeable period of time. The only thing that can allow that is governments. Right. right. The only thing that can allow that is force, and the only effective way that you can maintain enough force to maintain a monopoly is if that force is accepted. So, like, right now, we have the the fact that the United States is trying to exert force throughout the globe, and, well, China doesn't accept that force. Mm -mm. Saudi Arabia doesn't accept that force. Russia doesn't accept that force. But there they are trying to exert force throughout the globe. But since that's not accepted, they can't exert enough force to maintain the monopoly. Sure, they're losing their grip, and I think that's a—I agree with you, that is a great thing. But take me from at least how you're seeing this, from let's say this goes forward, Saudi Arabia says, all right, we're letting in the euro, we're letting in the yuan, maybe one or other two you know, other world currencies— but they stop there because they're not, they're not going to do you know Bitcoin the favor of allowing that to happen. So you know more competition amongst fiat. Okay, fine. But we all know they're still printing and printing, and it's a race to the bottom as far as those are concerned. So how does that get us to okay. where? So it doesn't matter if they accept uh, anything other than the yuan or not. Mm-hmm. But the second that they, it doesn't matter which other currency they accept. The second that they are not exclusively dollar only. All of these other countries have to go, oh, crap, whatever they're accepting, if it's one thing, if it's five things, Mm -hmm. whatever they're accepting, I need to get some of that and have less dollars. So let's say it's just one thing to to make my case harder for me. Okay, it's just yuan. It's yuan and And dollars. dollars. Okay, Okay. so all these countries that are holding treasuries in dollars have to cut their treasuries in dollars in half. So half of that goes to yuan. So right off the bat, you have a massive increase in the value of Bitcoin. So it forces the countries who are buying oil already to diversify 
the currency that they hold. Exactly. Okay. You're because saying that Bitcoin goes up in value as compared to the dollar because the dollar will go down in value? Well, as compared to the dollar and as compared to everything else. So it, every single time that the dollar goes down in value, Bitcoin goes up in value. It's mm-hmm. the, No, no, this is one-to-one. I mean, there's a time delay, definitely. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the dollar goes up, then it peaks, then it starts going down. After it goes down, you see the parabolic increase in Bitcoin value every okay. single time. Hmm. So that's going to happen to some extent just right off the bat. But here's the thing. As soon as you break that dam, now we have currencies competing for their actual value instead of just leaving it on the assumption that the number one currency is the dollar. I mean, the, the current assumption is the, the United States uh, uh, military cannot be defeated and it maintains a, a global order on oil and that fundamentally you can always get oil for one currency and that currency is the dollar. Mm-hmm. So you have all these countries. Now they need to be sure they can always have oil. Otherwise, there will be massive deaths in their country and they lose their tax base is really what happens. Mm-hmm. So they need to be sure they can keep getting this oil. So as soon as you have a competitive market, okay, now you have monies competing on their actual value. So you're saying Bitcoin will finally be competing on a more fair basis yes. in the, the world market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the second you have people actually analyzing this and going, oh, wait a second. One of these things is not like the others. Mm-hmm. All of these are printable. All of these have no cap. This has 21 million permanent absolute cap. So it's going to rocket in terms of value. Mm. Uh, Gold also would rocket in terms of value because you have a fixed stock-to-flow ratio just in terms of what is physically capable in reality. There's only so much and so fast you can mine gold. So it has a natural limit on how quickly it can be printed where no no paper currency does. So once you have these currencies actually uh, fighting on their own merits... You're going to see. Uh, you're going to see the best one winning. It'll be more clear, right? To people, okay, okay, and that may that may eventually lead uh, places like Russia or Saudi Arabia, Arabia to say, "All right, we will take Bitcoin," because they were teasing that earlier mm-hmm. in uh, in yeah. 2020 after the Ukraine invasion. We saw these headlines about uh, Russian central bank considering allowing well, we you know places Bitcoin like, payments, like, like Saint Kitts doing their Bitcoin Cash thing. We've got. Uh, is Venezuela doing the Bitcoin thing? There's, Not really, no. There, there's another country doing the Bitcoin thing. El Salvador. Thing. El Salvador, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, like, these are... That could spread. Yeah, these are, in my mind, uh, planting seeds, mm-hmm. right? Just like we talk about planting seeds of freedom and liberty and peace and, you know, the non-aggression principle, all that kind of stuff as we go throughout our daily lives. I think we're seeing that happen with cryptocurrency around the world. You know, Keen is a seed, Right. In and of itself, as you know, this show being one of the pioneers to first talk about cryptocurrency, free talk live, that is uh, key in New Hampshire being one of the first communities to have multiple places accepting cryptocurrency. That's mm-hmm. a seed. People who don't move here for liberty, but come here and visit and, and all that kind of thing. They're like, oh, wow, you guys take crypto. That's, you know, you yeah, see the Bitcoin yeah. like we we are, uh, if anything else, an early adopter of future technology. Showing that it can be done. And so are these other places. And as these fiat currencies begin to compete with each other, they're going to have to innovate. 
That's the only way they can increase their value is to innovate. The only way to innovate right now is to compete with what already exists. And outside of the realm of government fiat currencies exists cryptocurrency. Well, that may take us to your story, uh, Piklis, which is about how apparently Iran and Russia are considering creating a gold-backed stablecoin. Now, we have to explain for newer listeners what a stablecoin is. Captain, you want to take a crack at that? No. Okay. Uh, a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency, generally, now it may be different when it's implemented by a government, but yeah. generally a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency token. Now, a token is different from a cryptocurrency in that it usually rides on top of an existing cryptocurrency network. So we usually hear about stablecoins in the form of a dollar-based stablecoins or yuan-based or some fiat-based stablecoin. And what it essentially means is that the company offering the stablecoin has a vault or a bank account somewhere where they purportedly have, you know, a billion dollars. Bunch of gold. And so they have a billion stable coins of whatever the name is on this this cryptocurrency network. Yeah, so if it's pegged to dollars, then they either have, uh, the, the, sometimes it will be dollars, well, sometimes it will be like, well, we have some dollars and a bunch of treasuries because that way we couldn't can Couldn't it be pegged to, it. to weight, though? Hmm? Couldn't the token, instead of representing a dollar figure, couldn't right. it represent the weight? Right. Like, and, and this token is worth one of, ounce of gold. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, they have those. Absolutely. Right. Uh, uh, one of the ones that I use is uh, uh, Pax, Pax Gold. Pax Gold. Yeah. Right. Uh, is a gold, uh, gold stablecoin. It pegs its value. Okay, so the thing they're trying to invent already exists. That's correct. All right. No, no, these have been around for years. Well, so I know the stable coins have been around for years. I didn't know that there was a, a gold. There are silver ones, too. Oh yeah! Now oh, some of them have come and have gone. Been? Some of them have come and come and gone, from what I understand. Oh, so maybe, I mean, they, maybe that's it. It's a uh, you never know what you're getting into yeah. as far as wh- whether these things are going to survive or not. Uh, but they do exist, uh, and I, I've heard of the PAX one. That seems to be one of the more noteworthy ones. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any of the other ones off the, the top of my head. But. The thing I find laughable, and what did we say? It was Russia and who? Iran, Iran. Russia and Iran trying to create a gold-backed. Cryptocurrency or stablecoin? Stablecoin. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and that's uh, the real change here is that, okay, so Pax Gold is a company. So how stable is that company? Is that mm-hmm. company going to be around in 10 years? I mean, these are kind of questionable things. And given that cryptocurrency has only existed for a little over a decade, people are like, oh, I don't know if that company why, why couldn't some other, you know, mafia-esque, because we know the state is mafia-esque, why couldn't some other mafia-esque uh, organization create their own gold-backed stablecoin, like the cartel, for example? Because the United States would destroy them. <laughs> well, the problem, of course, with the stablecoins is that they're generally they're centralized. And right. so, you know, as you pointed out, if this company Pax or Paxos goes out of business, what happens to the stablecoin? What happens to their reserve of gold? Does it all just disappear? Does all of a sudden your stablecoins go to zero in Do value? Do they ship you a big ton of gold to your front door? What if the government raids their vaults and takes all their gold? Mm. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 15th through the 18th for the 7th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before ForkFest. ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. 
You can find out more at the unofficial website ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. ForkFest.Party. It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open here if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I want to say thank you to Paul, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Paul has signed up over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's our Patreon, and he's done uh, gold level. We only ask for 5 bucks a month. Paul's doing 10 Thank you, Paul, for Thanks, Paul. Uh, stepping up and helping us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. We You're had, the man. At this time, we've, uh, we, at the beginning of the year, we launched a brand-new format, and I think it's working out very well where we've cut out two entire commercial breaks per hour from the show. we got eight more minutes uh, per hour of actual showtime, and it's uh, it's led to better conversations, deeper so. delving into the topics. We can keep callers on and get a little bit deeper with them as well. So it's been really great so far. Uh, it also just happened to co- uh, correspond with a drop off of all of our advertisers as well. I don't know whether that has anything to do with the fact the federal government is after us, or that maybe the advertising model just doesn't work the way it used to. I don't know. Uh, but the reality is it would be great to never have another advertiser again. I'd be totally fine with that, but it does require us to have more direct listener support. So if you appreciate what we do here, uh, please join Paul over at amps.freetalklive.com. You can contribute, unfortunately, dollars, <laughs> although well. I think Patreon will will convert. So if you're in another country or whatever and you've got you know Canadian dollars or Australian dollars, you can probably spend those too. Um, unfortunately, I'm still prohibited by uh, the government from accepting any kind of cryptocurrency. So maybe so- at some point, you know, we'll be able to get back to that uh, one but, day. But for now, we have to use the the Haram money in order to run this show. So please go to amps.freetalklive.com and you can get signed up there. You get some perks like access to the Amp Only uh, podcast, which has the full radio show without recorded commercials every single day. Over at amps.freetalklive.com. Is, is there a way that people can send a one-time, you know, donation to Free Talk Live to uh, using cryptocurrency? Still, um, there used to be like not a, in any sort of useful format be because like a, I can't receive it. Um, maybe somebody else could receive it in some way, but I can't authorize right, that. Right. I can't touch it. Basically, I just thought there so. was some legacy thing like uh, the old tip jar or something like that. That I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those. Oh, that's Somebody may, someone may right. have access okay. to those things. I don't know who that would be. Okay. So uh, those aren't currently being featured on our website for that reason. So sorry about that. It's fair. Government. Uh, so you can go to amps.freetalklive.com and you can help us out there. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Paul, for that. So we've been talking about some big financial changes here. Uh, Saudi Arabia, once again, talking about they apparently said they're quote unquote open to accepting payment in other currencies. At least the yuan was, you know, one that they specifically mentioned. That apparently isn't the same thing as saying, okay, we're accepting payment. I mean, it sounds almost well, like that, but they haven't done it yet. So, so I think, in my mind, it sounds like what they're doing is this. Saudi Arabia's going, okay, we want to take more than the dollar, mm-hmm. but we also don't want to get bombed right. By, right. by the U.S. So let's just lob a couple softballs out there going, 
hey, you know, we're open mm-hmm. to taking other currencies and see if that, like, you know, sort of pokes the bear and angers mm-hmm. the giant. And if it doesn't, then perhaps we will go ahead and accept these currencies. Sort of test the waters, see uh, yeah. if uh, see if anyone bites on this. Like, uh, what kind of back channel talk is going to happen? Like, what kind of, oh, well, we're going to threaten sanctions on your right. friend over there. Right. Well, wasn't it all doing this? Wasn't it already Saudi Arabia who a few months ago, the king or whoever it was refused to return joe biden's phone calls it sure was <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it's a really interesting thing that's been going with this so uh th- there was so much pushback after the murder of uh, uh kamal uh, uh khashoggi mm-hmm. uh, i'm not sure if i'm by saying the that. saudi arabian yeah, government by the saudi arabian government uh who was like a what washington post uh, uh yeah some journalist journalist so yeah. there was so much american pushback on that that they had to reduce the amount of support that they were giving for Saudi Arabia's genocide in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And they reduced their support so much that they upset the the Saudi prince, who, I mean, it's a, it's an absolute monarchy there. And at this point, the prince pretty much uh, does all of the day-to-day work on there. So, like, he runs this country. Mm-hmm. So... He's upset that the United States is not uh, murdering their enemies and helping them murder their enemies completely. So this, is, so that's been part of what's driving them into the arms of Russia and China at this point. So, uh, so part of this is this whole, uh, uh, oh, well, I'll go this far. Well, what are you going to do if I go this far? And they're sort of testing the waters, seeing how much of a response they can provoke by doing this and by doing this. But one of the things that's fascinating to me on this, so China has worked diligently to make certain that it is not the new reserve currency of the planet, and with good reason. So China's whole, like, their what is holding them up and moving them forward as a country is their manufacturing base. Mm-hmm. They are the world's manufacturers. Everyone knows, oh, you get your cheap plastic crap from China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone knows that, and China wants to keep it that way. But the thing is, you can either have a manufacturing base or be the world's reserve currency. You cannot do both, because the second you become the world's reserve currency, you're Dollars are so valuable that your local uh, your local merchants can't afford to keep making things because no one will buy them. Hmm. Yeah, so they've they've worked very diligently to make sure that they don't become the new world reserve currency when everyone's trying to leave the dollar because mm-hmm. everyone's upset about uh, about the dollar being used as this bludgeoning tool uh, to get everything that the United States wants and oh well we'll kick you off the swift system and we'll keep your money everyone is kind of upset about that and wants a different currency to be available and China's like don't look at me so I'm not going to do it so here's a question why does there need to be a global reserve currency there doesn't um well, like like whose does, idea actually. was that and and what's what's the point so it's uh it's called competing for li- for liquidity so the whole point of having not barter is that you have a single thing that is the most saleable good. But competition already shows us, and multiple thousands of cryptocurrencies shows us, that you don't need a single currency. You can have multiple currencies. Clearly you do, though. So that that's the thing. I mean, for one thing— uh, How is it that is, clearly we do? Okay, so gold. 
the reason that gold emerged as the global currency yeah. uh, is because of this competing for liquidity thing. So before, directly before gold was the currency, it was gold and silver. Silver being more and common in the East. And, I mean, there's always been multiple currencies. Not really. See, that, see, that's the thing. You're competing for liquidity. So if one thing is more liquid than the other, that is to say that it is more reliably desired than the other, mm -hmm. then it ends up pulling more of that monetary value from whatever else is being used as money. Right, but shouldn't there be a natural ebb and flow to that instead of like one empire designating itself the global reserve currency? Well... So th what has happened traditionally is that that was determined by the market. Uh, basically, what happened is... So this wasn't determined by the market. What we have today, though, was determined by politicians. Right. Uh, well, and militaries. It was, uh, it, it was a con game. So the market throughout the globe determined that gold was the most saleable good. And then, oh, well, we have the uh, best backing of gold was determined politically. And then they went, yeah, we're not backed by gold anymore. Right. But and that's the thing, it's just been entropy that's holding this thing up. Mm -hmm. Like everything was was designed for this because oh, well, you have the most stable backing of gold. Okay, so uh, I think the terminology is confusing, right? World reserve currency seems to have that governmenty kind of mandate feel whereas market leader is or market liquidity leader or whatever is is something that can shift and can change and over time, right? Yeah. Well, so like so just we, because something is most accepted doesn't necessarily mean it's fifty one percent accepted. It could still be more accepted than anything else at thirty three percent or whatever, right. right? So like, what would it end up being in the absence of the coercion of the dollar hegemony? So in the absence of the coercion, you still end up with a global reserve. It's just that it's a global reserve of savings institutions instead of uh, in, instead of countries. The reason that that has that association of being dictated and force based is because right now the majority majority of buying power is wielded by these force-based institutions. Mm -hmm. When the when the majority of buying power is not wielded by these force-based institutions, you're still going to have this movement towards a single most saleable good. And that may become Bitcoin right. at some point. Right. And, and I'm and my guess is very much that it will be Bitcoin for at least one point in. in I mean, I guess if, if we look at the cryptocurrency market as it is right now by itself with the thousands of different cryptocurrencies that are in there, mm -hmm. you could say that Bitcoin is the leader. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. Yeah. Right. In, in that respect. But it's and, not leading by a majority. Right. And it, but it's it also, used to be. Right. And it's not force based. It's right, at so currently it's, it's at forty one percent. The what they they have a rating called the Bitcoin dominance percentage or yeah. rating. Uh, and if you go to CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap.com, it's right there at the top of the page. So forty one percent means that forty one percent of the total value of all the cryptocurrencies in the world combined belongs to Bitcoin. Right. Second place is Ethereum with eighteen point three percent. So I mean. It's, nip, it's nipping at its, at its, you know, its heels. It's, what half, it's getting, roughly? Yeah, half. It's, yeah. it's getting so, there though. But consider that Bitcoin several years ago, before 2017, I think, was it like 90 yeah. percent dominance? Yeah. So I think that these are two different perceptions on what cryptocurrency is. So the the one perception of this is that okay, well, this is just internet money. 
And the other perception of this is that focus, like you were pointing out, that, okay, well, it's also programmable. It's also this mm-hmm. thing where yeah. you can, like, decentralize oh, computing and it's, processes. Oh, and it's backed by something more valuable than gold, in my opinion, math. Right. So uh, from what I can see, the the two separations that are, that people have on this, there's the, like, pure money side of this, and there's the money plus side of this. Now, the money plus side of this is very much dominated by Ethereum. Ethereum has been absolutely killing it on, uh, hey, we're the ones who run all of the decentralized computing. If you want a token, get it through us. Uh, and they've been just dominating that side of the market. And I honestly don't think that these two are really compatible with each other and should be compared with each other. But since they're both forms of cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. they get you know compared with each other sure. as the, well, you're the 20-ish percent, you're the 40-ish percent of this single market. But the... Uh, People haven't really figured out what it is yet. So which True. side of this is going to is going to be more powerful than the other hasn't been decided. Yeah, we don't know. And there's also the entire possibility that they'll go, okay, well, why don't we put everything that Ethereum does as a layer on top of the protocol of Bitcoin? So that is a that remains a possibility. In which case you will end up seeing both of them explode and no longer be competing. I think that's totally possible. Right. All right, so we were just getting into this news about Iran and Russia possibly introducing what's called a stablecoin, but ostensibly backed by gold. And what we were saying before the break was that there are problems with stablecoins, and the problems with stablecoins all stem from centralization. Right. So the benefit of a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin Mm -hmm. is you can't pin it down. There's no one office. There's no... Bitcoin corporation where there's a board of directors that can all be targeted and taken out or infiltrated or whatever. So and and they don't have one specific server location where the servers can go down. It's decentralized. It is distributed. The blockchain is this ledger that is public and it's distributed over thousands of locations, 10, I think 10,000 plus locations all across the planet. The miners are all over the planet. So it's diversified and it basically can't be stopped. With a crypto or with a stable coin, it's riding on the back of a cryptocurrency that is diversified and, you know, decentralized yeah. like like Ethereum. Yeah. But it's being issued by and controlled by a, a smart contract, mm-hmm. which was written by some corporation or some individual or whatever. And this corporation does have a board of directors and they do have a, a head office somewhere on the planet. Yep. And they do have a centralized bank account or a vault with gold in it or whatever it is we're talking about that the stable coin is. Because, again, one stable coin is usually, quote unquote, backed by a thing whether it be a dollar or an ounce of gold or a, a gram of gold or, yeah. or whatever. If you want to be able to redeem this for something else, you have to have a place to do it. Correct. That means that you have to have a central place to do it. So you can have all of the, okay, well, the ledger is being kept globally mm-hmm. and is kind of indestructible, but sure. you can't do that with the ability to exchange this for uh, dollars or, in this case, uh, gold. In my head, I was thinking as you were describing that, I was thinking, are you proposing a decentralized stablecoin? And then I thought, if that's possible, then I also just invented Blowcoin. This is cocaine-based cryptocurrency. <laughs> right? whatever, whatever a gram of coke is going for is what the token is worth or whatever. 
I'd be surprised <laughs> if someone hadn't come up with that one yet. But yeah, there was actually some discussion that... Available at an Instagram vending machine near you. <laughs> there was some discussion of uh, that by nobody and I off the air prior to the raid happening. We were talking about how would you decentralize the storage of a gold-backed stablecoin. Because if you can uh, figure that out... Then you may actually have something. Is that even possible to decentralize? I think a precious metal-based thing. I think I think it could be, but I don't want to get too far off in, into the yeah. weeds on that. Yeah. But if somebody can figure that out, then that would be a real step forward because because one of the problems with stable coins beyond centralization, one of the sort of inherent problems with centralization, is it relies on trust. You yep. have to trust. That this company called Tether or this company called Paxos or whoever is issuing mm-hmm. these stable coins is actually has what they say they have, meaning that they actually have the number of dollars that they claim to have issued right. that's in a vault somewhere. And right. some of these companies like Tether supposedly won't even allow like a third party audit. So you don't even know. Uh, and then, you know, again, what even if they're being honest, let's say an audit does come in. It's like, yeah, looks good. They got everything that they say they have. Well, what if somebody steals from the vault? What if the government comes in and shuts down the vault, takes all the money right. out, says, well, we're charging you criminally and we're going to take this billion dollars or in Tether's case, 66 billion uh, dollars right which, now. Which I think if they if Tether expands enough, I think they will get targeted by the U.S. federal. They're government. already being targeted. And they'll be like, hey, we're the only ones allowed to do this. How about since we're all sort of slaves anyway to governments in one way or another at various percentages depending on the government you live under mm. uh could you do a stable coin based or backed by the value of every human on planet earth well how would you no. exchange that well i don't know well in theory a stable coin should be exchangeable so if it's backed by something you should be able to get the backing uh out of it you should be able to like trade your uh citizens to another country to get your value out of the humans. <laughs> I think that's how special drawing rights work. So you got to trust these companies, and that's right. a problem. That's a reason why not to hold these things. If you're going to have a stable coin, you probably shouldn't have it for very long, because if that company goes under, then there goes the value. It's going to go to zero instantly. It's, it's uh, funny that the they're called stable coins, but based on uh, your description and definition of the stable coins, they're probably one of the least mm-hmm. stable things in cryptocurrency. Yeah, I mean, they could well, go away. At and, any point. and the vast majority, from what I understand, the vast majority of the use of uh, of stable coins is on exchanges. So yes. at that point, you are trusting two companies mm-hmm. to continue to and like, the coin. Yeah, yeah, exactly the the exchange and the and the stable coin uh, backing provider. I mean, so it, it is nice within the cryptocurrency world to have something that you can move your whatever cryptocurrency into to represent dollars for a while until you need to move it into something else without right. leaving sort of the digital right. domain, right? That's nice to have. It's a functional utility. Let's go to the phones here. we got a caller on the line. Uh, what is your name? You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, this is Sean Miller. I'm the uh, president and executive director of the Liberty Policy Alliance. Uh, Bonnie mentioned you to you guys, I believe. Hey, oh, Sean. Hey, hey, Sean. What's, uh, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, not so much. I was just told this would be a good opportunity to talk about my org, so I just figured I'd call in and your award my, show. My uh, my uh, our new libertarian policy organization. Okay, well, what is it? You said the Liberty or Liberty Policy Alliance. Yes. What does it do? Uh, so we're a brand new libertarian policy org. We're primarily. We're a bunch of form. We're a bunch of former Yao guys, Young Americans for Liberty. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we were going to take what we learned, take our take our knowledge from the Liberty Movement, and start applying it on the uh, 
applying it in a much larger scale. We're going to be fighting for policies like constitutional carry. We're going to be fighting for criminal justice reform. We're going to be fire. We're going to be fighting for uh, stuff like ranked choice voting, getting felons not just their first their voting rights back, but their Second Amendment rights back. Okay, sounds good. A lot good. of big stuff. And this is on a federal level that you're fighting for this stuff. Uh, we're going to be fighting in state legislatures across the country. Gotcha. Great. We're going to so- be starting with. Uh, Florida con carry because Ron DeSantis is running for president, and I don't think anybody doesn't believe that at that point. But we're also looking for big things in New Hampshire as well. Like, like there, I saw there was a, I saw Bonnie speak on DMT decriminalization and deregistering. So that's gonna something like along those lines is what we're look stuff like that is what we're looking to fight. Did you feel like there uh, there were other organizations in the libertarian movement that just weren't focusing in the these areas? Part partially, yeah. We were just, we were, but it was more about that we felt we were ready to spread our wings. We were we want to we want to be a a booster to the the already existing libertarian orgs fighting on this mm-hmm. on this on these issues that's why we call ourselves an alliance we're looking to coalition build and we're also just not going to be working with libertarians we're going to be willing to work with republicans who agree with us on our issues democrats who agree with us on our issues okay. and we're just going to be we're going to we're going to be we're going to be we're going to be here for, my my idea is to be here for the long haul and hopefully our our message our organization's like motto is liberty in our lifetime okay. and we talk about it all the time where Individual liberty is the most is arguably the most sacred, the, the most sacred belief in the in the United States amongst the liber, amongst those in the libertarian movement. Here, here. And we want to, and we want to, we want to do our part to spread that as a message and not be, and try and try our best to be the, be the shining try to be a shining example for others who may come in behind us. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're willing to work with the Republicans and the Democrats if you agree with them. Yeah, on the inclusive issues. model is very cool. It's the only way you're going to get anything done. That's the way that uh, it works here in New Hampshire, where the liberty activists who've become state representatives, they're willing to work with anybody that agrees with them. They're, they're going to reach out to the Democrats to try to get some drug reform uh, put into place uh, this year and, and so on and so forth. So I think that that definitely works. Of course, it helps when you actually have libertarians in office, which we have here in New Hampshire, and you pretty much don't have anywhere else. So you mentioned Florida. You talked about constitutional carry as an issue. They Do they not have that yet down there? Is that, are they still they waiting? Do not. They do not. And they also still, ha- they still have the a lot of the chunk of the, gar- the garbage from that Marjorie Stoneman Douglas bill that includes red flag laws. And mm. they don't even have... They don't even have licensed open carry in, in the state of Florida. So yeah. this is going to be a... Yeah, I remember when I lived down there, uh, I, when I turned 21, my dad gave me a gun for my birthday. And uh, he gave me this packet of paperwork, like this manila folder with just a stack of, I don't know, 50 pages of paperwork. There you go, in son. got to own like, a gun. got to do your homework. Here's the legal stuff you got to do in order to get a concealed carry permit. I was just like, screw oh. this. Yeah. Threw that crap away. Yeah. If you are ever carrying a gun in Florida, I suggest that you do so on the way to go fishing. Mm. Or on the way out of the state. <laughs> on, never come back. If you're libertarian, yeah, you should be of, in New Hampshire. I'm going fishing lot, in New Hampshire. Li- Goodbye. Go, go, Sean. I, hear a lot of, I hear a lot of libertarians talk about the free state of Florida. How free is it if I can't exercise my second amendment right without the government 
like right behind me up my ass. Yeah, those libertarians are just uh, afraid of winter. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This whole free state of Florida thing, I don't know who came up with it, but it, uh, it must be the federal government to try to, you know, like distract people into thinking there's some other alternative uh, to New Hampshire. Because libertarians, if you move to Florida, you're going to have zero effect. There's there's 20 plus million people down there and you are going to be one of those people. Whereas up here, the libertarians actually are getting elected. Libertarians are influencing policy in Concord and making an impact. I'm interested in hearing how your uh, you know, Liberty Poly- Policy Alliance develops. Sean, do you guys have any sort of uh, media, social media website together we yet? Have, or is this- Go ahead. We have, tw- we have Twitter and we have a website. The website, we haven't gotten the domain, hand- domain handle on, so it's linked through the Twitter. But if you go find Liberty Policy Alliance on Twitter... Mm-hmm. We've got we've got our Twitter. We've got our Google site going. I'll get we'll get the uh, we're gonna get the uh, a, the domain here in the next couple of days. But we have two we have two things going. We have a gun rights poll, we have on our website right now. We've got a gun rights poll going, and we've just got a contact us poll. Great contact us like a little contact thing going. If people who wanna reach out reach out to us. Well, feel free to call us up anytime with any victory stories that you want to tout. Uh, definitely appreciate you reaching or out you here need tonight. To recruit more help. Please call back in. Yeah, and anything you can do uh, to help us in New Hampshire certainly would uh, we appreciate that as well. Thank you, Sean, for the call tonight. There's more coming up here. More on on the way. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the second hour of the show. We're here live on this Saturday edition. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Stay tuned later tonight. If you're on any of our video streaming channels, uh, you'll be able to watch Beard Talk Live. By the way, your beard's coming in pretty good there, Ian. That's true. Uh, I guess. Uh, But thanks. You can uh, catch them over at video.freetalklive.com via our Odyssey channel. You can actually go to watch.freetalklive.com. They'll take you right to the video streaming page. Video.freetalklive.com takes you to the sort of overarching channel. Uh, But there's other platforms that we're on. We just started on a website this week called pilled.net. What they call the, the foxhole. Uh, so we are uh, streaming on there every single night. So you guys awesome. will be on there tonight as well. And the nice thing is there's actually people watching on this platform. Like some of the platforms we have, there's maybe one viewer or zero <laughs> viewers. But it uh, looks like we got nine viewers there right now. So like, hey, right. welcome to welcome. The folks watching us there on uh, on pill.net. And you guys will get Beard Talk Live. The difference between the shows is, first of all, Beard Talk Live hosted by all bearded uh, hosts. But secondly, and most importantly, it's not a uh, broadcast show it it's is not on radio radio show right. so uh, it does not need to be protected by the dump machine we don't have that enabled during that show there's no fcc regulations involved so anyone can pretty much say pretty much whatever they want uncensored there. so yeah, free that, balling that's a thing uh we got we still haven't even gotten into the story yet we've been prefacing <laughs> it with discussions about what stable coins are and why they're bad in a lot of ways you mean stable coins uh, aren't based on like horseshoes that would be something else. They could do that. A horseshoe-backed stable coin? I like it. But you can only spend them in stables. Of course. Let's go to your phone calls first, though, before we continue with the uh, the story about the Russian and Iranian governments apparently considering launching their own gold-backed stable coin. But Sam is in uh, Ohio. Go ahead, Sam. You're on Free Talk Live. 
Yeah, Ian, I was just curious how your trial went. I remember that you were getting ready for that a while ago, and hope it went well for you. No, no, it didn't. Uh, I mean, I thought the trial went pretty well, but the jury result did not go well. I was found guilty of all eight counts. So, uh, of all, all victimless uh, counts that so ostensibly that, that we would argue that? that the prosecution didn't even prove beyond a reasonable doubt not. or even close. Well, of course not, because uh, the only victim that. was the bank. Yeah, well, they didn't even end up saying that later on. Like, that was what they, that was something they filed early on in the case before they dropped all the fraud charges prior to trial, the so called fraud charges. So, like, I don't even think they're claiming the banks were victims at this point. I think that was something they filed. There wasn't. There wasn't any. And in fact, they admitted as much in court. They they said that the banks were not victimized. The victim is the state. Uh, People got their feelings hurt because people didn't ask permission first before selling something that they shouldn't have to ask permission to sell. So that's what this all comes down to. They're looking at a maximum of 20 years uh, in prison. The sentencing will come up on April 14th. We do have a website, uh, a post over at freetalklive.com. If you go to letters.freetalklive.com, there's some uh, suggestions there as to if somebody wants to write the judge, they can do that. You don't send the letter directly to the judge. You send it to me. I give it to my attorney then it will presumably go from there into the hands of the judge. So you can't contact a judge directly. That's called an ex parte uh, communication, and they just you know you can't do that. Uh, but uh, but that is a possibility. So if you're really upset about it, uh, cool down, and uh, you go to you can go to freekeen.com. You can read some of the coverage there. Uh, our friend Chris, our Friday night co-host, did just incredible work. Uh, he took three weeks off from his running a business. Yeah. And he went into that courtroom every day and took down as many notes as he possibly could. Like, it's not quite a transcript, but he did a damn detailed Closest job. Closest thing you're going to get without spending buku bucks because <sighs> government charges you for that crap. I don't even want to think about what this transcript is going to cost yeah. because in order to appeal the case... Guess what you have to order? I, I was gonna say, don't oh. you don't you just get one because you're no. the really? Oh, oh my no. god! Oh no! You Whiskey gotta pay Tango Foxtrot. You gotta pay three dollars and sixty something cents per page of this transcript. Are you oh yeah, for that lasted for ten days, a ten day long trial. I have no idea how many. Once pages you have it, is. can you post it? It's probably double spaced too. You right. know. <laughs> so they can but once you oh, have it can you well, post and it yeah. and that's for the digital copy of the transcript oh wait the, yeah. the caller asked whatever happened to freedom of speech i'm sorry you live in the united states of america there is no freedom of speech anymore yeah no uh, what i meant is in terms of why didn't they provide it for free i figured that would fall under freedom because of they speech. don't serve us yeah nope they don't i wish they uh i wish it was a better system sam but it's terrible and we all knew that going into it it's once just, you have the transcript can you post it like, yes that really? is true okay. i would be able to do that in will and i do intend to uh, i mean if i'm gonna pay god knows how many thousands That's of dollars saying, for that, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be 10 grand or more i have i have no idea uh what a 10 JTFC. day trial is going to uh to cost plus we'll have to get transcripts of other hearings too i presume right like so the mo- the motion hearings that happened prior to that we'll probably have to get them all uh, in order to to send this thing in, so Sam, yeah, sorry to be the uh, the bearer of bad news. If you want to help out, if you feel like I've done some good in your life and uh, to the you know good for the community, then that could be something you could share in a letter to the judge. Uh, letters to the judge should not be uh, indicting the uh, prosecution or the FBI, no matter how strongly we may feel about it. That won't help 
get a, a light sentence. The good news is, if there is good news in this situation, is that they did drop the mandatory minimum charge prior to trial. So I'm not facing any counts that have a mandatory minimum. But the bad news is it's still eight guilty felony convictions. So, I mean, I I don't have a completely clean criminal record. I, I have uh, nonviolent, victimless, uh, civil disobedience-related quote-unquote crimes which are still there, even though they're they're old enough now to be annulled. Right. But I can't annul them now that I have this new charge that uh, that I'm facing. So like they're they're ancient history as far as the legal uh, system is concerned. But that yeah. it's still it's still going to count towards the sentencing. Uh, Sam, in my opinion, the jury uh, already made up their minds by the time the trial was over, rather than reviewing the evidence Did again they even and going through it. Well, no. In fact, uh, the jury selection omitted anybody who was familiar with cryptocurrency. No, there was one How guy. Fair trial. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, and they're not your peers. But there was one guy on the jury. I I don't think I can say who who it was. But yeah. there was one guy who was aware of uh, Bitcoin and was a skeptic. Uh, about bitcoin so that guy got on wow Uh, one guy who knows what it is and doesn't like it and sam just to see if you have an incredulous reaction the uh, jury spent a whopping (laughs) five hours deliberating yeah that's right okay now that i expected because there's been murder trials that have taken two hours so that i believe now that's not a long time for it's not a long time to like especially eight counts they sure didn't look at the evidence if that's what they were doing back there no because i we were told they were taking smoke breaks yeah no they didn't i mean i explained it to them uh during when i testified during the trial but i don't think it really made any difference Uh, could you find a more prejudicial thing though like the only person who even knows what this is is against it like the the whole thing comes around the like the whole thing has to do with Bitcoin and they specifically found a juror who dislikes Bitcoin. That's right. prejudicial. But you know, it's a fair system. Totally. We get justice in this country. Sam, anything else you want to share tonight? So where do you write the letters? Like what was is it free keen where you have the information about writing the letters? No, it's at uh letters.freetalklive.com. I'll take you right to the post. And it's got the address right. and you. suggestions for you there. And, and thanks in advance, Sam. I appreciate your call tonight. Bye. Thanks, dude. Uh, so the number here is 603-283-6160. You can join the show here. The uh, the motion, by the way, or not motion, the memorandum that my attorney had to write. So the judge gave him a, a month to you know cook up whatever you want to say about your argument as to why these charges should be dismissed. Because what it. happened at the end of the, um, the, end of the prosecution – my attorney made a motion to dismiss all of the the counts because his he what he says of evidence. they did not prove any of the eight counts at all right like they could not meet the burden of every I agree. every count has to have certain elements that have to be proven in order for a guilty finding in theory to happen of course the jury can also do the reverse of jury nullification which appears to be what they did in this case which is just like well we don't really care about what the evidence says we don't like you yeah you're guilty uh, I mean, I don't know. We haven't we haven't talked to the jury members, obviously, uh, but uh, that's it's a crazy situation. It sure and, feels like a kick in the nuts. And uh, we're going to appeal. We're going to appeal this thing, but we have to wait until sentencing in order to appeal. So we can't file the appeal until that happens. Right. Now, in theory, the judge could, whether he will or not, is another question. But the judge could say, "Yeah, I agree. Prosecution didn't prove count A, B, C, D, and you know, toss those out, and then those would be." 
you know, gone. Right. Those those guilty verdicts would be nothing at that point. But whether a judge is willing to do that after a jury has made a decision, you know, to under quote unquote undermine the jury uh, in that way, I have no idea. That's not what happen. the odds are of that yeah, happening. I, I can't. I can't imagine. Well, it's that's... also possible for them to say, "Yep, you're guilty of all those things," and no sentence. Well, that's that's a possibility as well. I mean, we've certainly seen what has happened with uh, the other Crypto Six members who have pled guilty is they have been sentenced not to time in prison, but to probation. So mm-hmm. our friend Nobody, who you guys are going to be on with later tonight on Beard Talk Live, I believe he got three years uh, probation. And uh, uh, Andy and Renee, I believe, got one in two years. I forget which order. I think Renee was one year, Andy was two or something like that. That sounds about right. So, well, no, it doesn't sound right to me, but well, it's better no, than prison. I mean, it, sounds, it sounds like what I expect from the criminal justice yeah. system. And they're still I mean, saddled with a federal felony for the rest of their I mean, lives. It's, it is a, it's a textbook thing. Women get about half the sentence that mm-hmm. men do for the same crime. Well, plus she's young and they got that whole thing going on, too. Um, we don't know what Aria's sentence is going to be. That's been delayed. That's coming up in March at this point. So it's going to be a couple more months before we find that one out. Right. But, of course, we know that historically... People who don't take a plea deal tend to get harsher sentences than people who take a plea. I mean, maybe this judge won't go that direction, but that tends to be what happens because they want to punish you for taking a case to trial. Yeah. You made me do my job. Mm. How dare you? Well, on the other hand, to the judge's credit, at least, and I've given him a lot of credit. I I feel like he was much more fair than a lot of the federal judges we we hear about. Um, From what I was told by my attorney is this judge was actually really happy that he had a trial to do because he, you know, he's a judge. He He became a judge so he could preside over trials and Mm. that almost never happens it almost never occurs that someone goes to trial these days so he was like hey i get to i get to be a judge you know for a couple of weeks do his actual job yeah so like i don't know maybe that maybe that'll factor into who knows but your letters can help if you go to letters.freetalklive.com or at least i hope they can help they can't hurt yeah Thank you in advance for that. All right, let's get back into the story here, the, the stable coins, or get into the story, because we haven't even gotten into it. We've been talking about what a stable coin is. It's we haven't a, gotten past the headline It's here. crypto-backed, or it's a, a crypto-based token that is, quote-unquote, backed by a thing, usually mm-hmm. offered by a corporation, a company of some sort that claims to have that thing, whether it be an ounce of gold or a dollar or whatever, in a vault somewhere. And whether they have it or not, of course, is the big question. So I was saying before we went away to the news break was trust is the problem because that's why bitcoin was one of the reasons why bitcoin was so revolutionary was it doesn't require trust as long right. as the math is good and you can audit that yeah. uh then it's a trustless it, system it doesn't require human trust right right you don't have to trust in an entity right. or you, a government or an math. individual right you trust that the math and the cryptography is solid and that's why bitcoin is worth now I think over twenty two thousand yeah. dollars. It's been on a it's been on yep. a run up uh, recently. So that may, leads me to the question of if you can't trust these centralized corporations and you can't, can you trust the government? Oh, can can you trust Iran and Russia? Are they more trustworthy when it comes to issuing a stable coin or well, not? Well, they are more trustworthy in two ways. Number one, they're older than 10, 20 years. True. So you're, they're probably going to be around for another 10, 20 years or way more. Mm-hmm. So the, Less so, likely to go bankrupt. Yeah, they're less likely to cease to exist. Yeah. Uh, and number two, they're a lot harder for the U.S. to just go, this is mine now. 
That's true. The U.S. government isn't going to be able to just waltz into their vault and take all the gold. Right. Okay. That's true. But their or, governments... Or, for that matter, just say, hey, we're taking you to court now. Yeah. So, But the, on the downside, they are world governments. Uh, they're evil, number one, because they're governments. And number two, we know governments lie. So can you ever trust that they actually have the gold that they say they're, go- that they're backing the stablecoin with? And further, can they be trusted to actually redeem the stablecoin for gold? Right. Uh, and, you know. and are they going to allow... You know, third parties to inspect their their gold stash, so to speak. Good question. And I don't know why you wouldn't, because you're trying to compete. So you may as well actually be on the level about these things. I do love... And heck, invite people in to like, sure, yes, come we see the absolutely... Ball. I do love anything from this sort of a perspective that forces governments... To become competitive. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Because the more that that occurs, the less government they become. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, these are the, the, shudderings and shakings of the new world that is breaking loose is that we see these little movements toward actually having to compete as currencies because right now currencies don't actually have to compete they're all crap it and the reason that oh well the dollar is up against the rest of them is because it is less crappy crap than the rest of them they are all losing purchasing power but look the dollar's losing less purchasing power than say in turkey where they're where it's like an 80x uh uh loss of purchasing power. and that's the correct way to look at it but what the mainstream media says when that happens is oh the dollar's up the right. dollar's stronger yes the <laughs> like, dollar is up like, no, it's against <laughs> other crap right. dollars if you look at the price of eggs you know the dollar is not up right okay indeed. yeah <laughs> that's just one example the price of everything is yeah. going up yeah that's the symptom of inflation anyway yeah. tell me uh, what this story is uh, uh iran and russia want to issue a new stable new stable coin backed by gold and who's reporting this um it's it's all over the place oh, okay. actually uh i think this uh this one's from uh coin telegraph but uh yeah it's all over the place hmm. Um, the potential stablecoin aims to enable cross-border transactions instead of fiat currencies like the U.S. dollar, mm. the Russian ruble, or the Iranian rial. The Central Bank of Iran is reportedly cooperating with the Russian government to jointly issue a new cryptocurrency backed by gold. According to the Russian news agency Vodomosti, Iran is working with Russia to create a, quote, token of the Persian Gulf region, unquote, that would hmm. serve as a payment method in foreign trade. And uh, so something that I think is uh, is really uh, crucial to understand the, the, the circumstance here, I'm just going to read the first handful of... Uh, of oil-producing countries here uh, in order. So United States is at the top of the pack, then Saudi Arabia, Russia, China, Canada, Iraq, Iran. Mm-hmm. So really heavy hitters, because that's the thing. that Oil really is the very most valuable thing in world trade right now because okay. it's what people eat. I mean, we don't think of it that way, but that's exactly what happens. You take oil, you convert it into fertilizer, you convert the fertilizer into the food, so you are actually eating mm. oil. It's just been processed by both uh, chemical treatment plants and seeds, basically. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. Ah, here we are. Uh, the token is projected to be issued in the form of a stable coin backed by gold, according to Alexander Brezhnikov, executive director of the Russian Association of Crypto Industry and Blockchain. The stablecoin aims to enable cross-border transactions instead of fiat currencies like the United States dollar, the Russian ruble, and the Iranian rial. The report notes that the potential cryptocurrency would operate in the special economic zone of in Astrakhan, where Russia started to accept Iranian cargo shipments. So uh, part of why I wanted to point out the the uh, oil thing is like to have a token of the Persian Gulf region, as mm-hmm. they're saying means that this is going to be a gold-backed stablecoin that is specifically aimed at the majority of world oil production. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're going to want Saudi Arabia to accept this as well. I'm sure they are. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that, as we just talked about, that uh, Saudi Arabia is in uh, very heavy talks with China about accepting yuan for dollars means that they are already seriously open and considering accepting non-dollars for oil for the first time since the 1970s. Well, and why wouldn't they consider taking gold-backed or actual gold, right? Like, taking actual gold is hard to do. It's it's heavy, you know, it's a pain to deal with. But if you can get a gold payment in the form of this stablecoin that is honored by whoever it is that's issuing it in return for, you know, okay, I want the actual gold, ship it to me, uh, then that would be really valuable, I think, more so to them than just taking in a bunch of yuan because they know yuan's getting printed. Mm-hmm. They know that all these uh, these fiat monies are just the, the printing press. This could be very attractive. Unlike mm-hmm. Bitcoin, one of the reasons why people don't want to take Bitcoin is because it's so volatile there is the possibility that it could go up 10 percent in 10 minutes or down five percent in the next five right like you never know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen with the price of that and when you're dealing with buying and selling a product day in and day out it can make life very confusing and difficult Mm -hmm. so that's why it's going to be hard for that to be bitcoin but if it is a a stable coin backed by gold maybe that could be attractive to them well and and What's amazing to me about this is so you have a combination of the two traits that people have been valuing for money. So one of those traits is, okay, gold is stable, and Mm -hmm. and we know that gold is not going to go to zero tomorrow. And it's probably not going to drop by 10% a day. Right. It's not going to drop by 10% in a day. It's not going to go to zero tomorrow. There's going to be some real value to it. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that we've been really valuing is access to gold oil for trade so if you have something that has simultaneously access to oil for trade because this thing's being done by the number two and the number seven producer of oil and they're backing the thing by gold because that's uh, one of the big things that people are very very uh uh, concerned about cryptocurrency as well what is it backed by Mm -hmm. and if it's not backed by something how can it have any real value because there's this sort of idea of bootstrapped value because things that have been traded with had to get there through uh through being a barter system originally this gold-backed uh cryptocurrency sounds like the modernization of the idea of the og the old u.s dollar when it was backed by Mm -hmm. gold that's exactly mm-hmm. it. I mean, the the reason which was very effective. Yeah, the reason that that the American dollar gained this prominence is because it was being backed by gold. And then they pulled the rug out from underneath. Yeah, exactly. prior to nineteen thirteen. Anyway, exactly. So to combine the the 
backing by gold, which makes people feel safe, with the access to oil, which gives it that utility, and the the immediate instant transmission anywhere in the world, and mm-hmm. the security of the network that you get by putting it on a blockchain that's in a distributed network. I mean... If that's what they're going to do. Now, the question is, what are they going to launch this on? Is this going to be on the Ethereum uh, network? Is it going to be on Stellar? Uh, so I'm sure these cryptos are going to be lobbying hard uh, to be part of this because this would be the first time that the governments of the world have really kind of gotten into cryptocurrency on the creation side with the exception of like Venezuela's ridiculous oil barrel backed (laughs) nonsense they tried. We're coming up. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian Peacles Mountaineer and Captain Kickass here joining you. You can bring up anything you want to discuss. We're talking about uh, Iran and Russia possibly teaming up for a uh, crypto or stable coin that is backed by gold. Not a lot of details, it sounds like, at this moment, but they're talking about it, and maybe they're actually going to do it. I, I, I think it sounds like a good idea. I don't idea. mean to throw a tangent in, but that's kind of what we do. Uh, couldn't mm-hmm. a company like Goldback, for example, mm-hmm. couldn't they just start producing excess Goldbacks, putting them in a vault somewhere, and then issuing tokens? They sure. could. Yeah, okay. they could. But that kind of puts a target on their back for the federal government big time because the i mean they'd have a harder time doing it with goldbacks because you're not using their proprietary term dollar but mm. that is what happened with the the uh was it american eagle dollar or the liberty dollar Liberty dollar yeah, yeah the liberty dollar that was uh these uh was it gold coins or silver coins liberty dollar was um for its time it started in the late 90s i think it was 98 or 99 it got taken down by the feds in 2007. It was based primarily on uh, ounces of silver, and they had physical ounces that you could order. But they also had warehouse certificates, and the certificates you could exchange, presumably, right. once until the government took the, <laughs> the coins at least. Right. But they had the actual ounces in an actual vault somewhere that you know, it was the mint that actually made the ounces uh, that was where they were being stored. And so you could, in, in theory, exchange those warehouse receipts for the, the ounces of silver. They ended up oh. coming out with some copper rounds and some gold and some platinum. So they kind of got into all of it, mm. but silver gotcha. was the primary. How would Goldback Inc. tokenizing excess goldbacks get them into trouble monetarily, like with the government? Because the government doesn't like to actually follow its own laws. And you are advertising, hey, we have a bunch of gold stored here. And they're like, ooh, we like gold. Yoink. I okay. mean, I, I thought you were making a legal argument. No, I'm not making okay. a legal All argument right. whatsoever. I'm saying that uh, if you do that, it might work. Okay. And if it works, the government will not be happy with you. Right. That being said, uh, so then any other third party, fourth party, whatever it is, could just start amassing goldbacks and launch their own token, right? They could. Okay. I've, I've very con- uh, seriously considered doing this myself, and it would be easy enough for me to make a token uh, on the uh, Bitcoin Cash network. And I say Bitcoin Cash because you can actually spend tokens on that without paying exorbitant fees. 
But again, storage becomes the the challenge. Right. Uh, you know, when you are doing a dollar backed stable coin, you can at least utilize a bank in theory to store the dollars for you. You can't do that as easily with gold. Uh, so, you know, you'd have to have some sort of serious security if that was something you're going to do. That's why when Liberty Dollar did their thing, they used an, the actual mint with, you know, armed guards and that kind of thing. Of course, it didn't help when the government came, obviously. They right. just walked yeah. right in and took everything out of there. Uh, so, I mean, there's just so many risks involved. And how do you actually make it profitable? One of the, right. the challenges with doing these things is if you're dealing with actual uh, physical product and you have an actual place where that product is being stored if it's not just in your bedroom in a you know lockbox or something like that then you're going to have to pay somebody you, right. there's costs right. involved whenever you get any of these like gold backed debit cards which they have now there's a couple different options out there for that there's always a fee every month that right. you're being assessed for the gold storage. Somebody else is keeping an eye on your gold for you, and that costs something. Right. So, like, how do you make that profitable for the person doing it? It's very challenging. And this people used to be used to that before the currency system was ruined, because in order to have uh, what we would consider a, a, a savings account or a checking account, you would have to pay them to hold on to this if you wanted access to all of your money at any given time. But now that we've sort of ruined the entire thing where, oh, well, your savings account, I will also loan that out to other people. And so you don't technically have access to all of your savings at any given time. Mm -hmm. You basically have what's called drawing rights, which means you might have access to your savings if you get there before too many other people access right. their savings. Yeah. I wish right. more people just understood the fundamentals of you know how something like the United States dollar actually works that uh, the the thing you're taught is that okay well you can't keep all your money in like your bedroom under your mattress or whatever and so you have to go put it somewhere mm -hmm. well first of all there's not enough dollars in existence for everybody to actually keep their own money anywhere right uh, there's just so few actual physical dollars in existence mm -hmm. that it would be impossible. So yeah. that whole thing gets thrown out the window. Most of the dollar is digital already. Mm -hmm. That's true. It exists only in this ethereal world known as the digital domain. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it can't ever leave. You cannot even, like, one of us could probably go to the bank and withdraw everything that we have in our bank account. Right. Right. But if we all like the entire town and of New then, Hampshire like, went to the same bank. Depends on how much is in your bank account. Right. Because banks only hold so many dollars. Right. And then they, oh, well, I got to call in that other bank over there to bring it over here. Yeah. It, it's a, it's actually tremendously easy to cause bank runs in the modern era. Right. And so if all of that is true, then what is the purpose of the bank? Right, because the bank originally, at least if you believe what you're taught in schools, was supposed to be a very secure building with armed mm -hmm. guards yep. where you could put your physical money and it would be safe and you could pay a monthly fee for that service. Right. So what's the point of having a bank now? Good question. And the thing is, from their perspective, like everything is completely backward from their perspective. The loans that they make, they do not ever want paid off. It is actually against their interest for the loans that they make to ever be paid off. Right. In fact, it is worth their while for you to miss a couple of your interest payments 
rather than actually paying off those those debts, which is part of what led to the whole 2008 collapse, is because all of the banks, they just want more debts. And if, if those aren't being paid, that's fine, as long as we have more debts because it didn't cost them anything to create the debt, which is a completely different incentive from what they're selling the, to these people who, okay, well, I'm going to wrap that into this financial instrument over here under the idea that it's worth the actual amount of the debt. Yeah. So it's completely backward purposes. We'll go to the phones here. We got David on the line in Georgia. David, you're on Free Talk Live on the live Saturday show. Go ahead. Hey, good evening, guys. Welcome. It seems to me, it seems to me that like with uh, with fiat-backed stablecoins like the USDC and the Tether USD and things like that, that it would be a really bad idea to have them in a quote-unquote bank account. Reason being is because with a bank account, the government can come seize it anytime they want. Right. And mm-hmm. we all know that when you put your money into a bank account, it's not your money anymore. It's the bank's money. That's Hello, correct. Uh, sure. FTX, FTX sound familiar to anybody? But it won't matter. I mean, if you have, uh, if you're running a dollar-backed stablecoin and you decide to build your own vault and put it in there, it isn't going to keep it any safer because the, oh, you yes know, the, the federal government's going to show up and point a gun at your head, and then you're going to let them in. If they know about it. They're going to know about well, it. They're going to find it. Well, even then, the fact that they actually have to send goons means that that is way costlier than them just calling up Chase and saying, hey, give us ten. To send, I mean, look what they look at them... what they spent on raiding the Crypto Six. They had dozens of agents here for you know this raid on they this house. Yeah, cost them millions. thousands of dollars. That means nothing if they're going to go and seize sixty six billion dollars from Tether. Still, the it, it you said it's not any safer, and I'm saying it is okay, safer. That ain't much safer because dude. a they have to know about it. B they have to spend the money to do it. Whereas they don't have to spend any money to tell Chase to steal ten percent of your savings. That's zero cost. And I get it, but it isn't going to stop them. And what's worse, it's legal if it's their savings. So 100% of your savings is not yours. That is what the courts have found because the whole point of it was, oh, you're getting a percentage on this. Mm-hmm. That means you are willingly engaging in risk. You are intentionally allowing risk to your savings now it's Mm -hmm. a little harder legally speaking for them to steal your checking account but your savings are are free game for them to just steal 100 percent of it at any time and yeah it's called a bail-in and countries have been doing it more and more frequently david yeah um another thing is that this whole uh russia and iran issuing a gold-backed stable coin um, I would actually be somewhat willing to to trust that and use it, um, as a temporary store of value, like as a as a trade for like say Monero, for example, mm-hmm. just as a, a temporary holding spot uh, before you know while Monero goes down, so I can get back into Monero at a cheaper price, just as a staying in the crypto world. Right, it because, serves the same utility as the other stable coins do. Right. Uh, but because, I think you're saying you would trust it more because of the same reasons we alluded to earlier, that it's less likely to you know, sort of go under. The, that is, the governments are less likely to go under than the issuers. Yeah. And, and good, luck, uh, good luck if the U.S. decides to tell Russia or decides to try to get Russia to give them the gold in their vault. Good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, that won't happen. 
That much is true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And one of the nice things uh, from our perspective on this is uh, that, as you were pointing out, if you're going to keep gold safe, okay, well, that is expensive. You have to hire guards for that. That means that, uh, and people are not used to to paying a fee mm-hmm. for having their, their money being held for them. Whereas for, for this circumstance, the benefit to Iran and Russia is to not be dependent on the U.S. dollar-dominated financial system. So it's an, it's an automatic benefit to them, so they're willing to, uh, well, I mean, it's all Absorb stolen, Absorb the cost, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all stolen from the taxpayers of those countries, but they're perfectly willing to absorb that cost in order to circumvent the U.S.'s control and uh, uh, choking them out of the current system. David, thanks for the call tonight. Go ahead. Anything else? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you guys were mentioning earlier about uh, the Western countries trying to kick like China and Russia and whatever off the off the SWIFT system, and my thought would be that these countries would welcome that, uh, just because of the fact that then they don't have to deal with the Western uh, U.S. and crap like that. So I would think that these countries would welcome that. No, I don't think I don't think they welcomed it when it happened, but they're dealing with it. it I mean, it does cut you away from being able to interact with most of the world's nation states. So it, it hasn't been so much welcome just as a matter of uh, entropy. Again, uh, with mm-hmm. with the entire financial system is just entropy. It's been based on this, so it continues to be based on this. Even Russia, which obviously doesn't have the best relationships with the United States, even Russia just never bothered to make its own system. You can because the SWIFT system is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's outdated. It's slow. It's, slow, it's, it's terrible technology on yeah. just every single front, but they, they were lazy about it. They didn't bother to make their own different one, and this has just lit a fire under their rear end to get mm-hmm. them going on this. And Necessity I mean, is the mother of invention. Exactly, and mm-hmm. China doesn't really want to be kicked off of the SWIFT system, but they certainly can no longer ignore that possibility. Thanks, David, for the call tonight. I appreciate it, man. The number here, if you want to join us, it's 603-283-6160. Uh, is there more Peakless Mountaineer that we yep. need to know about this stablecoin proposal? Yeah, uh, there, there's only a few more paragraphs here, so I may as well go through them. Uh, Russian lawmaker Anton Tkachev, a uh, member of the uh, Committee on Information Policy, Information Technology, and Communications, stressed that a joint stablecoin pro- project would only be possible once the digital asset market is fully regulated in China. After multiple delays, the Russian Mm. lower house of parliament once again promised to start regulating crypto transactions in 2023. Well, that's not good news for the people of Russia. That's not. Well, I mean, honestly, the people of the world have, uh, to my deep shame and chagrin, been demanding that crypto be regulated before they enter the market. I hate it, but people refuse to enter this market until it is what they think is safe, which is regulated by governments sucks yeah i mean the the, this this massive pump in the price of bitcoin i am fairly certain that it is primarily due to the legislation that was passed in el salvador and what did that what did they do okay so uh, el salvador passed this huge piece of uh, of crypto legislation and two of the biggest things that that did number one it creates a uh, the first cryptocurrency regulation agency in the world. Oh boy! And number two, it, and this part I actually do like quite a bit, uh, even though it's 
Bristol government, uh, it creates a Bitcoin-denominated bond. So instead of having treasuries in, say, the U.S. dollar or the real or the yuan, it's treasuries denominated in Bitcoin, increasing in value by a percentage in Satoshi's. Not dollars. So someone can buy a government bond from El Salvador, or will be able to shortly. Right. Buy a government bond, which normally will pay one percent, ten percent, five percent, whatever they arbitrarily select based on whatever reasons, over ten years, five years, two mm-hmm. years, that kind of thing, and it'll mm-hmm. be denominated in Bitcoin. That's exactly it. And uh, and hmm. El Salvador hmm. is using these uh, to build their Bitcoin city. So this is really, really interesting stuff because hmm. that's the thing. Like it, it, it has been that you could, oh, well, I will stabilize my investment by having these treasuries and that way I don't have to lose as much purchasing power. But now if you're willing to stomach the, the risk and volatility, then you can have these uh, government and therefore likely to be redeemable in the future uh, things that are backed in Bitcoin. Which may very well, and in my opinion certainly will, go up in value. So you're getting a percentage on an increasing value. That's interesting because, uh, not interesting as in I would want to get involved in it because it is still the government and they're evil, but we've seen the U.S. government goons targeting companies for offering similar services. Uh, Gemini, Coinbase... Mm -hmm. Uh, the SEC went after those guys. Uh, the what was the uh, BlockFi was, Block was right. one of them. Yep. These companies that will say, "Hey, give us your Bitcoin. We'll loan it out. We'll do stuff with it. We'll invest it, and we'll give you a return of five percent or right. you know four percent or whatever it was." So basically, you got the El Salvadoran government doing the exact same thing, but because they're a sovereign state, mm-hmm. they are not going to be touchable on this. I mean, they've already pissed off the people they're going to well, piss off by, by doing the Bitcoin legislation. They, they will be touchable, but only, only by, by invasion. Right, right. By military means, yeah. right, will they be touchable. Or uh, political sanctions, that type of a thing, sure. uh, would be the the way that they could be touched. Well, and, and well, so that's the thing. As far as the the political uh, area of things, they've already pulled out all the stops on this stuff. So, like the all of finance throughout the world runs on credit. It's all about loans, yeah. and the IMF has been telling everyone. Don't you dare trust El Salvador. They have all this investment in in this unstable thing, so they're not creditworthy. So all of the other countries are like, oh, no, I'm so scared of loaning them any money. Mm -hmm. And and look at what's actually been happening in El Salvador. A 95% reduction in violent crime. Is that true, though? You know what? I don't care if it's half that. It probably is something like that. Yeah, like but a 50% reduction in crime is amazing. Right. And honestly, We have to take the government's word for it, though. Well, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Because what gets people to kill each other when they're Poverty. desperate? Yeah. Exactly. But Bitcoin's down. It's not like people are getting rich on Bitcoin in El Salvador. I mean, since the El Salvadoran government was buying Buku Bitcoin, it's cutting in price by ah, half but the biggest uh, one of the biggest parts of the el salvadoran economy is tourism 
Mm-hmm. And people, and there are a lot of people who made money on Bitcoin that like to go and visit places that are investing in Bitcoin. That's true. And, and that's another one of the things is that their tourism is through the roof. Their economy mm-hmm. is through the roof. And they, by all of these measurable metrics, they've been doing an extraordinary job since and because they embraced Bitcoin. It is uh, somewhat ironic, I think, because cryptocurrency is such a unique invention and has such value that hasn't even been tapped into yet mm-hmm. as far as what it can do, that it is too tempting for politicians to ignore. Mm-hmm. And that means that somebody, El Salvador in this case, a couple other places minorly, are going to take a risk. They're going to say, what's going to set me apart from all these other politicians, from me running for this, running for that, whatever it is, or if you know there's some sort of a, a monarchy or something like that. When they compete on a global scale with other countries, somebody's going to take a risk on it. Mm-hmm. It's It's almost as if no matter what governments do, in the long term, it benefits cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Like if they try to regulate it, well, they can't regulate the cryptocurrency itself. Right. All they can do is regulate the exchanges, the on-ramps and the off-ramps between the government currencies and the cryptocurrency. Well, as we've seen, they can also go after the developers. Like with Library, for instance, LBRY.com, they've been targeted. Correct. Ripple's been targeted. Correct, but they can't go after the currencies themselves. No, that's true. Because they're decentralized. Right. And even with targeting something like uh, uh, like library, I mean, sure, you are devastating this one cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. But how many cryptocurrencies are you leaving alone when you do that? Yeah. And, and also, it, it's only going to encourage these organizations to become DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, library was especially uh, vulnerable to being targeted because the majority of its development was all being done in one place. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these coins and, and tokens and everything, the development is being done all around the world. True. So even if you take out right. this cluster of developers, there are so many others, even on that one coin. And with a DAO, done anything. with a DAO, the incentive for development is correct. And that is to say, if you're a developer and you wish to earn, you can go do some development on this one decentralized organization's token or platform or whatever it is that that, that they're doing, and then you can get rewarded for your work, and that in, that's the correct incentive. You do the work and you get the reward. That's the correct incentive. Not that, oh, I need my country to remain the largest empire ever, you know, that kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. not only do the people win – Right when when you have uh, the incentive structure correct, uh, but it also assists in cryptocurrency adoption. Yeah, it proves all of our uh, all of the points that we've been making for years about monopolies right. and about how you cannot have a monopoly for a long period of time because eventually the reward for breaking the monopoly is too large, and somebody who's in this monopoly, who's keeping together this cartel, will break from the rest of the pack and try to do this thing. Yeah. And in terms of countries, El Salvador was the first one to break from the global fiat currency cartel. And they went, ooh, here's this chance, and hey, we're the murder capital of the world, so like, we kind of need a Hail Mary at this point. So Mm -hmm. they were willing to take the big risk for the big reward, and so far it is 
paying off extraordinarily well to them. Yeah, it's and that's be... without the and that's without the value even returning to where it was. Right. right. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's why I say it feels like it's a little too early to uh, to be writing anything about how the experiment's going in El Salvador because it's really we're only a year and maybe a, not even quite a half year, like maybe eighteen months. It was I think September of 2021 when they finally rolled out the uh, bitcoin experiment down there i think it's interesting what you're saying about the bitcoin bonds that they're offering and it'll be very interesting to see how that goes because now they're they're literally just saying to the bitcoin people hey you can put your bitcoin here with us we'll pay you a return Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's as good as our government's guarantees are which maybe that's gonna last maybe it won't but uh i think it's very interesting to look at that and and see what's uh what's going on well, and one of the big things here is that it's it's allowing them to create infrastructure that would never have been imaginable in any other way. So they have all of these volcanoes. And yeah, when you have that, you have the potential for geothermal uh, energy harvesting. But in pretty much no way is that ever going to happen under the under the existing financial regime of the planet. But because you can use that geothermal energy to mine Bitcoin, okay, so now you can get these bonds that are that are Bitcoin denominated, they're backed by a country, you can use the money that you're pulling in from those bonds to build the infrastructure to harvest the geothermal energy that you then turn around to mine the Bitcoin. To pay off the to bond. To pay off the okay. bond. That so that seems you, like a workable plan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's not a guarantee by any stretch nope. of the imagination. But There's the no guarantees in life. Right. The potential is absolutely extraordinary. And even if all of this fails, they will have learned quite a bit about what their society can be. Really, and it'd be interesting to see other smaller countries that are not central bank countries come on board with this plan and then you start seeing the wealth shifting from the big countries in the world to these little islands and little uh, little places we're coming up free talk live it is free talk live kicking off the third hour here phones are open if you want to join us the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. The theme so far tonight has been kind of the international money scene. And oh, I thought is, you were going to say house pancakes. No. <laughs> I've never actually been to one of those places. I question their, their international portion. There's probably like one in Canada, Canada. or something, but like I've never seen one outside of the U.S. Hmm. It's the International House of Purchasing Power. It would just Different be I-hop. the House of Pancakes, the Hop. Here in the studio, it is. Let's Ian. go to the Hop. Peakless Mountaineer and the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. So we started out talking about the uh, the international money scene with the p- potential for Saudi Arabia to start taking other currencies for its oil that it sells, uh, which led to the discussion of well, you know, if the dollar is no longer the world reserve currency what will become the market's choice for reserve currency without the coercion of the u.s military uh threatening people into taking its dollar because if saudi arabia stops taking it that kind of ends the game uh and so then would it be and and ends the monopoly yeah and not even if saudi arabia stops taking the dollar but if Saudi Arabia starts taking anything other than the dollar. Yeah, I wasn't so sorry. I didn't mean to say they would not yeah. take the dollar, but 
allowing other purchases from other currencies. And then, you know, would Bitcoin have a role or would it be something like a gold-backed stablecoin, which is what we were just talking about, where apparently Iran and Russia are in talks to create a gold-backed stablecoin, which would perhaps be riding on an existing cryptocurrency network? Because the idea that they would launch their own cryptocurrency network seems pretty implausible. I mean, they are governments. They, they pretty much suck at doing everything. They, you know, mm, I mean, Governments yeah. can't do anything technically. They always have to hire people, and even then they still can't do it after pouring in hundreds of millions of dollars into various different you know, online systems and such. So it seems like they would likely ride on an existing cryptocurrency platform, but they haven't gone so far as to make any kind of announcements like that. So we don't know where this is in its development stage beyond just the, the talking about it thing. Well, it seems to be that they're uh, currently creating a committee to do so. So okay. this That's what governments do. They make legs. committees. <laughs> and then they talk more. Well, this could take years, but you know, and, and good luck to them. Well, and that's the thing with when it comes to a a a sea change in the global financial market, you have to do you have to get the timing just right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, sure, uh, Russia has been getting a little more gold and a little more gold and a little bit more gold all of this time because they don't know when they're going to get kicked off the SWIFT system, mm-hmm. and now they've gotten quick kicked off the swift system so that moves us further into a a massive change but when exactly is the trigger going to get pulled Mm -hmm. now i think that it's going to be when saudi arabia accepts something other than dollars for oil but maybe it'll be some other thing that ends up being the big trigger and and you are seeing like a, a lot of the the like fundamentals of the financial system in the world are breaking down right now so like uh, uh, Japan's economy is it, their market is so volatile that even Coinbase won't operate there anymore. Coinbase being uh, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the United States, if not on the the planet. So they were in Japan, but they now they're saying yep. goodbye. Yep they have they've told everyone everyone in Japan, look, you have until the sixteenth of February to get all of your stuff off of our exchange mm. and then we're selling all of it for yen and you can pick it up later because we are out of this country wow. this market is too volatile for us and with good reason <laughs> too volatile for cryptocurrency mm. that's correct mm-hmm. <laughs> is this because of the i feel like japan's been in the news for like doing crazy things yeah. with its currency like yeah, what's well, going on over well, there so all of their corporations are zombie corporations. Define that. So a zombie corporation is where you are no longer making a profit, basically. You can't make enough money to pay off the interest on your loans. Mm. So you just have to keep rolling your loans over. And the only thing that's propping these companies up, and especially the banks, like 100% of their banks are zombie banks. And the only thing that's propping all these companies up is that Japan keeps printing more and more more yen and they are and they can't even slow down oh. their yen production how is that different from what the u.s is doing because you just described the u.s ah they're not the reserve currency uh, is the difference okay. all right, all right. exactly nobody needs yen in order to buy oil mm-hmm. nobody needs yen to keep the u.s out of their backyard and and that's the problem so in order to 
prop up their their yen what they've had to turn to doing because they have been one of the one of if not the largest buyers of american treasuries Mm -hmm. which unless you have buyers of treasuries america can't print dollars now they can buy their own treasuries but that really doesn't help that much so if you don't have a certain amount of of non-fed buying of treasuries then they can't effectively uh, print money anymore. So the so Japan has moved from being if not the number one, one of the biggest buyers of treasuries, it is now not only not buying any treasuries. It's selling them. It right? is selling treasuries, using the money that it gets from those treasuries to buy yen, thus propping up the value of yen so mm-hmm. that it doesn't uh. collapse completely in the world economy. But that puts this huge pressure on the American dollar. And at this point, things have gotten so bad. That, and I mean, as far as I see it, a, a, a coin exchange is essentially a very, very fast moving bank. They're essentially like a bank, but they move very quickly and they have to. So the fastest moving banks in Japan uh, internationally are getting out of there hmm. now. So I think this is going to keep snowballing. And hold Other on, just international to, banks it, are going to start pulling out of Japan soon. Okay, so from Coinbase's perspective, why do they care whether people in Japan are using their exchange? Doesn't it benefit them to have people in Japan using the exchange regardless of what the Japanese government is doing with the yen? Ah, because if they are printing yen so big and so fast and you use a bunch of those yen to buy, say, Bitcoin, and then you pull the Bitcoin off of their exchange, you're trading worthless paper for wor- for actually worthwhile currency. Well, why couldn't they just say, uh, we're just not going to take yen deposits anymore? Well, we're we're it, getting rid of yen from the exchange, but if y'all want to come on and say, you know take Bitcoin and exchange question. it for Ethereum, we don't care. We'll take one percent. Well, because government, right? Like in Japan, the government's only going to allow yen to be like the major currency, right? No, but I, what I mean, I'm saying is for like from a maybe just from a business perspective, it's just not worth it to onboard people or whatever if they're not going to get fresh money coming into their system. I was just saying, there's plenty of crypto exchanges that are crypto only exchanges where you cannot put yen or dollars or any of these things into their system right. and they make money on each trade right and so does coinbase coinbase makes makes money every time you right. trade something on their platform so it's like why would you want to tell the japanese people hey screw you because your government sucks i think that it seems like a little short-sighted to me but i'm well, not I running their business so at all. i mean uh, i i I see exactly why they've been doing this. Like, get out of this because this is a sinking ship. Because that's the thing. The entire, a big part of this is just you don't know what's about to happen. And that uncertainty mm-hmm. means that you might catch a curveball and it destroys you. Because that's the thing. They have shareholders. They have people mm-hmm. that they're making business deals with. And, and more and more interest is in that case. So in order to make sure that those business deals don't fall through, they're pulling out of where the market is too insane. Mm. So and, and they haven't really explained exactly uh, how they came to the conclusion that that the market was uh, was. Uh, hang on, let me see if I can uh, get. Didn't there. you also say off the air that Kraken, which is also another U.S. based uh, cryptocurrency exchange, has also uh, withdrawn from the Japanese yeah, market? Yeah, uh, uh, I think it was a little over a week ago. Yeah, Kraken already withdrew from Japan completely. Wow. 
Yeah, so Kraken is out of there. Coinbase has just announced that they're out of there uh, due to changes in the market environment. So so they released the Kraken and then they took it back? <laughs> wow. Must have been a must have been a fight with Mothra. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, as uh, from my perspective, the fastest moving, the most nimble banks in the world are getting out of Japan now. Mm-hmm. And sure, they are the the ones that uh, are the like they can't really afford to take the most hits. Mm-hmm. But I think this is going to snowball. I think other banks that are also, you know, the little guys are going to start going, ooh, let's let's go ahead and just get out of Japan while we can. Because you're seeing the it, it, it's just one of those things that it's OK. If you push this, to, uh, if you push this into the future, it's going to be a bigger problem. OK, if you push this into the future, it's going to be a bigger problem. And we're finally hitting the wall where Japan can no longer push into the future the problem that none of their businesses are functional hmm. yeah the whole zombie uh, business thing sounds like a pretty ugly situation and then you combine that with the fact that they're not reproducing in japan like the actual population is waning mm-hmm. right because people for whatever reason there's a bunch of incel guys there and mm-hmm. uh, the whole family structure has just fallen apart people just aren't having babies it only goes to prove my theory that i'm huge in japan <laughs> well and and not only are they not having babies but like just the the people have withdrawn from the entire social agreement they're mm-hmm. like okay i know that i have no chance to ever get ahead in this system so why bother mm-hmm. and and it's this enormous, stay home play video games yeah and it's this enormous 180 because usually that that japanese work ethic has been just right. astonishing like they just grind hard forever like they work hard and they party hard but they will just put an unbelievable amount of work in mm-hmm. and now it's moving like from 120% to 2%. Mm. So and and that's the thing like we have reaped we have sown the wind we are reaping the whirlwind People who believe in sound monetary policy have have said for decades, hey, you can't actually get rid of risk. You can only move it around. And what and what everyone's been deciding to do is like, well, we'll just put all the risk in one basket so that, uh, well, none of the little things will just break on their own. Either everything breaks all at once Mm -hmm. or nothing breaks and it'll just be too dangerous to let everything break at once so no one will ever let it all break at once <laughs> yeah meanwhile people don't want to work and it may not just be a J- japanese thing we're right. seeing it here in the united states as well where there's help wanted signs up everywhere yep. uh and I've, I've had a story sitting in uh, show prep here that according to rt.com more brits are also making excuses for not working according to official data so this isn't just a one country problem this no. is happening in a lot of places they don't have to worry though because they're in a country that's great <laughs> uh, mental health issues are keeping britain's younger population out of work at record levels at a time when the country struggles with a worsening economic crisis 
according to Bloomberg. And, of course, over there, they're having trouble just paying the power bill because of the energy uh, situation that they brought upon themselves by sanctioning Russia. Mm -hmm. According to the data compiled by the Office for National Statistics, the country's young working-age people are suffering from so-called long-term health issues that are keeping them out of work at increasingly alarming rates. The report shows there was a 29% increase in 16- to 24-year-olds citing long-term sickness as a reason for being economically inactive. I mean, 16 to 24-year-olds should be, like, the healthiest group of people. You would think. Right? So Except sh- that it's long-term mental illness that's instead the of thing. physical illness. Yeah. And so should 25 to 34-year-olds, who 42% said the same thing. 42% of people aged 25 to 34 in Great Britain are saying... I'm just not feeling it. I'm too messed up to work. I can't think straight or whatever. Data reported for the second quarter of 2022 compared to the same period before the pandemic. The report indicates the youngest workers have been facing a recession and wages that fail to keep up with double-digit inflation. Oh, wow. Weird. Well, and here's the thing. like We are facing a global problem because we have one global money system and it's fiat. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can't just get away with fiat. It causes problems. And eventually, eventually. those problems build up. And one of the problems that it causes is, okay, when you have fiat, you can't save value in the money. Well, guess what? Humans need to save value. We need to in order to survive. That is how we don't die. So we will find other ways to do it. We'll save that value in stocks. We'll save that value in land. Okay, well, if you save that value in land, that means that the housing prices don't actually reflect the value of the house. They're the value of the house plus this monetary premium because everyone's using this as a as a vehicle for savings. Right. And that means that none of the young people who don't already have a house can ever, ever afford one. Yeah. And if you don't give them the hope that at some point they will have enough of their bills behind them mm-hmm. that they can stop working, if you don't give them any hope whatsoever that that will ever occur, then of course you remove all of the incentive for them to bother. Right. I mean, even if there's a big housing crash, and there may be one on the horizon, given Eventually. things are likely not going well financially, even still, if there's a big housing crash, if you're not working at all, you sure as hell aren't going to be able to get out from behind whatever bills you have right. to the point where you could even get a cheap house right uh, because you're just not working. You've given up. Yeah. And I still think a housing crash will happen, but it'll probably be like the last thing to happen mm. because uh, it's one of those uh, you you always uh, fight the war that you just finished. So like all of the preparations now are for the last big collapse. And the last big collapse was all in the in the real estate market. So all of the buttresses are all of you know all of the like oh we're ready for it. We're ready for the big one. All of that that backing is on the housing side it's on real estate which means it's not in the everywhere else that is also crashing right work-related stress they say here uh was listed as the so-called biggest driver of inactivity among 50 to 54 year olds the report indicates that the youngest workers have been facing the recession 
uh, as we mentioned, statistics show that overall mental health issues account for a total of around 600,000 economically inactive people across all age groups, a 10% increase on pre-pandemic figures. According to Louise Murphy, an economist at the Resolution Foundation, health among the younger UK generation was already deteriorating, she says, quite dramatically before the pandemic. But the issue has become more acute since. So yeah, you took a bunch of people who were already moving in the direction of being more alone, spending more time by themselves on a device rather than connecting in reality with people of their own age or of different ages or whatever. And then you just told them, okay, now you can't even leave your house. Now you have no chance of connecting with anyone. It just exacerbated the existing situation. And one of the sad things about this is that these problems have been have been long time coming. And now mm-hmm. instead of actually dealing with these problems, it'll just be, oh, well, all of that only happened because of COVID and because of the lockdowns of COVID when, OK, that made it worse. It and that made it had happen a lot faster. But these were these were already on their way. There's no doubt that COVID has accelerated the mental health problems in this age group, said the CEO of mental health charity SANE, Marjorie Wallace, uh, was quoted by Bloomberg. She said further they've been out of schools, potentially exposed to fractious domestic atmospheres at home, and spent more time on social media. The National Health Service digital data shows that one out of four 17 to 9-year-olds in Britain have have had a probable mental disorder last year, up from one in six in 2021. So even more people in a younger age are messed up in the head than previously. The number of inactive males with mental health issues reportedly increased to 37,000 last year, up by more than 100% from figures just 15 or so years ago and substantially higher levels than seen among women. So, I mean, the, you know, how does this get better? What well, is the, the incentive structure needs to be corrected. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that's the thing you have. To, it, it really comes down to the agreements that you have with society. And right now society has no agreement with its youth. It has no reasonable expectation that things will be better in the future, that your work now will be rewarded. So the entire incentive structure is what the agreement is. Mm-hmm. So as the as we move to an incentive structure that is not completely insane and dishonest and backward, as we move to a functional incentive structure, a functional currency structure... These things will get solved. It's going to be painful first. It's going to yeah, be painful. It sure is. It's going to be the the storm first, and then the calm. Which is why, like as an individual, in my opinion, it's wise to be diverse in what you have. Do you, okay? You've got some land. What else do you have? Is that all you got? You know, uh, maybe you should you know, figure on getting some different currencies, some gold, some silver, some crypto. Right? Have. A variety of things at your disposal because you don't know how it's all going to play out and you want to head yourself against well what's coming well that's i think the best suggestion here we've been talking about money things all night and it can sound like 
you have no control, right? right? Like, oh, this government's doing that, and this government's doing and that, and all like, these governments are... Largely, you don't on a, on a global scale or even a nationwide scale. But you do have control over your own money, at least for now. They haven't implemented the CBDC 100% yet, so right. you do still have the ability to do something, and that's what I think you know people should consider, yep. is what sort of things can you do to protect yourself? You see what's happening in the price of things at the store. Yes, I Every, do. Everybody sees the price of eggs now five dollars for Six you know, the cheapest possible form of egg uh you know that's just one example produce prices up 30 percent in one month i mean th- this isn't just the writing on the wall at this point this is like in your face this is yeah. happening it's it's occurring now so you've got to figure out and it ain't getting any do. better Right. right, no, it's not going to get better. They're going to keep printing. You got a $1.7 billion, or sorry, trillion dollar uh, spending package that just passed last month. Yep. And that's going to be another, there's going to be another $2 trillion in a few months. You know it. And then they're going to send another $100 billion over to Ukraine. And it's just going to keep going in the same direction it's always gone until something dramatically breaks. And you want to be ready for that as best as possible when that happens. And the thing is, you see these pieces flying off the ship left and right right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's still going, but not for long. And what's amazing right now is that you actually get rewarded for not participating in their villainous system. So usually when you boycott a thing or when you, oh, we're on strike, like you suffer and they suffer. But in this circumstance, hey, I'm going to use gold. I'm going to use Bitcoin. Not only do I not suffer, I actually get rewarded for the fact that I'm withdrawing my efforts from their corrupt system. Yeah, I mean, the more that you can do that, whether it be getting into these alternatives like we talked about, you know, still... Don't dump everything in, right? You still got to use the dollars for paying some bills or whatever. But, you know, don't dump in what you can't afford to lose. But if you're, you know, drinking a a six-pack on the weekends and you can cut that out and buy some crypto or some gold instead with that, that might be a wise decision. Agreed. Uh, The number here, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. And, of course, invest in yourself. See if you can kind of start your own thing on the side. That wouldn't hurt. Talk live. The phones are open and you can join us here. Get time for you if you want to jump in. The number is 603 283 6160. Yeah. That's 603 283 6160. Yes, right. indeed. It's Ian here. Peakless Mountaineer. And the captain. And coming up later tonight, uh, Captain Peakless and nobody are going to be joining you if you are joining us on watch.freetalklive.com and our various other video streaming platforms. Which you can get the full list over at video.lrn.fm. If you go to video.lrn.fm, it'll take you right there to a list of the, you know, again, all these other platforms we're on. Although we prefer Odyssey over all of them, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So it's always good to be on more than one at a time. What time is that? Uh, that'll be 1030 Eastern tonight. Beard Talk Live will start at watch.freetalklive.com. It is open phones without any FCC regulations standing in the way yeah indeed fcc yeah let's go to your phone calls and your thoughts here we got renee calling us in louisiana go ahead renee yeah uh, my thing is uh my concern because i'm a worker uh is wages i mean uh, i've seen a lot of history about it every time you raise the wage the food go up everything go up Uh, my thing is 
like uh, Borg said, the Supreme Court nominee that wasn't a Supreme Court guy, you can't legislate morality, but damn, man. I mean, how little should an employer pay a worker? How long and how much should they work them? I mean... uh, Well, the big problem with wages, we have this inflationary currency, so that means prices keep going up. And the wages are the slowest thing to change. So, like, the the cost on goods and services, that's easy to change day to day. But how often do you you talk to your employer about how much they're paying you? Now, if we had something that was going the other way around, then the fact that wages take so long to change would be great. Because then your employer would have to come to you and ask if you will accept a lower wage. Well, right now, there's never been a better time. I mean, from what I can tell, not having not being an employee in my life and thankfully not having to do that for the last most of my two decades. But uh, but I can see the signs around town. I can see the absolute desperation yeah. of business owners right now hiring all positions right. sign has been up at so many different uh businesses for months and months if not more than a year these people cannot find help which means well, if you're a good worker and you're working at that place you have the leverage to where you can go to the boss and say hey look i can go across the street or i can go across town and they're willing to pay me more for my services but if you don't they? give me a raise. But are they? Because, sure, they're all hiring, but you'll notice very few of them will say how much they're hiring at. A lot of them will say, actually, if you go to um, Aldi, the grocery store here, they're starting at $16 an hour. So, Renee, what are you dealing with down south? Are they? Uh, do you want to talk well, about what you're getting paid? I'm, I'm, I'm like 54, so I'm angry from the past. Right mm-hmm. now, I've explored many jobs. I used to be... a uh, Deckhand on a boat. I, I had a captain license. Now I have a CDL working for a trash company. Okay. And I'm getting paid pretty good. But I see the crappy end of it when I was working in a hot sauce plant, killing myself for a small paycheck while they're making thousands and thousands of right. dollars. Mm-hmm. My, my thing is, if you listen to Fox News, they swear that the big capitalist guy is like godlike, spinning wealth out of nothing. And like God, I like divine, uh, divine right. He gets to pay as little as he can. When history shows that uh, Henry Ford believed in paying his work a top dollar and not working them more than forty-eight hours because he said they weren't good after that. Why well, can't other other businessmen look at history and see that? Well, they should be able to do that if the market was allowed to be free. Right then businesses would be truly competitive. They wouldn't be able to gain an advantage through licensing or some other government program that actually distorts the market, prevents more competition, and leaves the market barren in some areas. Well, yeah. I mean, Renee mentioned yeah. he is a uh, he works for a garbage company. And it wasn't too yeah. long ago that we had a story out of Montana about a guy who wanted to start his own garbage company he decided he was going to go, you know, one guy, like, go buy a truck. He bought the truck. Yep. And then he, you know, was going to buy a Yellow Pages ad or whatever, right? right. Like, get the word out Put about Put a logo on it, Bob's Trash yeah. Service, whatever. And they came after him. They, being the state government, the regulators, said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you don't can't have just do this. You can't just Man. pick up people's garbage without having our certificate of need. And what does that mean? That means that some 
board of people that is, of course, owned by the existing garbage companies. The board of people running this garbage uh, regulator have to be able to say, they have to be able to determine whether or not there's even a need in the marketplace. Not not whether or not you've paid the licensing fee and jumped through all the hoops. Right. It's like, oh yeah, you can f- apply, but we don't even have to approve your application because there may not be a need. If our friends who are currently in the business say they got this, well then, there's no need. And so, sorry about you buying that truck, but it's just not going to work out for you, son. So that's one of the problems right. here. Is like Maybe you're happy, Renee, that you got a good job, but can someone in your area just buy a garbage truck and just start picking up garbage without asking permission from the government first? May I give a parting shot? Do you know the answer to that question? Uh, well, I do scrap. I did scrap metal on my own, but mm-hmm. it's usually the scrap metal owner of the buying place that makes the big money. The you difference know, between and you do a lot of things. The difference between the market that exists. And a free market is that in a free market, you are free to create your own job. Right. You can compete with the existing people. Go ahead. Could I add one more thing? Yeah, sure. Maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's what Karl Marx meant about capitalism would lead to communism by not having a free market. The capitalism you have has the miserable effect of might as well be a communist place. I mean, certainly people under communism are miserable, and so if you're miserable under crony capitalism, what's the difference, I guess? Uh, Thank you for the call. Maybe that's what I meant. I don't know. The guy was crazy. And and the thing is, if you have the government regulating this out of existence, then you have miserable people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what, what the communists tend to have a problem with isn't capitalism in the sense of free market it's capitalism in the sense of these centralized control of all of the wealth and the centralization of control of wealth can only occur through the machinery of the state thank you renee for the call tonight and you know what a you want to talk about misery and being depressed is when you have this vision for something you want to do And a lot of people that are just workers, they don't ever go after anything like this. Or if they do try it, then they get shut down like this kid that wanted to start up his own garbage business. Somebody that has a vision, somebody that has a dream for something that they think they would be good at. And then they look into it because they're actually willing to try it. Like they've got enough money saved up and they're like, all right, now I'm going to buy that garbage truck I've been thinking about. And then they find out that there's some bureaucracy that is standing in their way. And that will not budge, no matter what hoops you jump through, that is true misery. Because it is it is someone who has a calling. Somebody who... And you may be laughing, oh, he just wants to take out garbage. Somebody needs to do that work. And there are actually people who enjoy it. There are actually people who... They get pleasure from cleaning up a mess, right? right? Like, that's something they like to do. And they know they get paid well for it. So, it's like, I can do that job. So that so that's their that's their dream that's what they that's their vision that's what they wanted to accomplish and then some government bureaucrats said nah can't do that yeah well and here's the disconnect of uh, of the whole labor argument is that what they don't see about this is okay yes you do have this uh, this company owner or what have you paying a crap wage and you have this worker who has to accept a crap wage and that's an intolerable circumstance but the way that you get out of that is that some 
other person comes along and can compete with them and can offer you a better wage where like, okay, they're making this much extra and okay, I will make some extra, but not that much extra. So I'll give you the difference. Now you attract all the workers over here. But if you stop someone from coming in and competing, that is what stops anyone from offering the workers a good wage for their labor. Yep. And so people who call for regulations on business are unwittingly actually doing the businesses a favor by protecting them from any new innovators who might enter that industry. And there's just so many people in the world, much less the United States, that just don't even have a clue about how the monetary system works, about how money itself even works, what money even actually is. And so they they immediately go to the self centric, uh, you know, definitions of it, and and they worry about themselves. And I, I detected a bit of that from our our last caller, where you know he's concerned about his wages is really what his call. Sure. He's like, I'm concerned that I'm not going to be able to maintain the wages I'm earning now, much less earn more in the future. And it's a real concern. And it should hopefully spark him to go on a self-education quest to find out all of the things about uh, even the rudimentary stuff about uh, fractional reserve banking and how the monetary system actually works. Well, and, and some of the real truths about how money works are not obvious until you see them from a certain angle. So, right. like, we think that, okay, X product is worth Y number of dollars. Like, that's what we think. Okay, uh a dozen eggs is worth $5. Well, that's the thing. That's never true. A dozen eggs is worth less than $5 from the person selling it and more than $5 to the person buying it. Mm-hmm. It has to be or else we will never come to an agreement on what we will exchange. Right. So it isn't worth $5 to anybody mm-hmm. at that point. It's worth less and it's worth more at the same time and we have to do that or it won't be worth anyone's time to do this exchange right the exchange has to be mutually beneficial the the other way that you can tell that we are not in a free market is literally just by watching the prices of things go up as you get older Mm. you know i i'm 50 years old now and i can't remember a time when prices of anything really came down with the exception of uh, some of the unregulated markets right like the big screen tvs when they first came out, uh, the right. plasma, 20, 000, and the HD, 30, and all that stuff, yeah. And now you can get them at Walmart for like four hundred bucks or whatever, right? You know, and they're four K, and you know, Incredible. all that kind of crap. Like, so outside of stuff that's heavily unregulated, yeah, uh, everything else has gone up in price over time since I've been alive. Everything. Mm-hmm. Want to go to the phones here? Speaking of communists, Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I was watching TV, and then they have this new. Gas, um, gas uh, within the pipe. It's a new cooling and heating system. I, I don't know what it is. A but new gas a, what cooling and heating system? Yeah, it's a, it goes through the pipes throughout the houses, and when it gets hot, the gas becomes cold, and it comes back, and then it, when it gets cold, the gas warms up the house. So the latest thing that came out, and uh, I I don't really even have the name for it. What it is, I just watched okay. it really quick. When I get so gas, it doesn't like warm it. the house; it stinks at <laughs> the house. I, I I but it's a new technology, and I and I think there's people that actually have this installed. 
and it's supposed to be very environmental and very cost effective. I mean, it doesn't. Okay. Like, well, it doesn't really help anything. us very much if you don't know the name of this technology. And it doesn't seem like it's ringing any bells over here, Sarah. Was yeah. that what you were trying to do, is find out the name of it? Well, not the name. It's just that I, I was wondering if you were heads up with this technology. You know I, what I mean? have no so idea what like you were the, describing. Well, you know, I lived in an apartment where they, when it was cold, they had the warm water going through the pipes, and then they had the fan blowing through it. And then when it was hot, they had that cold water running through the top, uh, pipes with a fan running through the little metal pipes. And it did kind of like somewhat work. I mean, I wasn't really that hot. I wasn't that really that cold, but it was just water going through. And this is the oil old style, um, like the hot water heater. But instead of that, they have a special gas that does that thing automatically. So I'm just completely impressed. And I hope this thing's really worked well. Well, and, one thing's for sure know, that, uh, you know, over time we're going to have more new, um, you know, inventions hitting the scene as far as cooling and heating technology. It's going to become more efficient uh, than, it, than it ever has. We've got a propane heater now here at uh, this house. It used to be where we're doing the show from. It used to be an oil furnace. And the propane heater is, from what I can tell, much more efficient. Very efficient uh, device. I mean, you still got to pay a lot for propane, but you know, if it's more efficient, then in theory, it should be cheaper over time. I guess. I wonder if she's talking about like the mini split system. I don't know, mini and I don't want to try to figure it out. Mm. Yeah, I, I've seen that mini split system. They install it in the room, so uh, if the device looks like a, a flat air conditioning unit, but it does warm and heat each room separately. So as you install the, but this is something to do with some kind of a special gas. And mm. it's going through one, one thing. It's not front mm. freon. Freon mm-hmm. just only does one thing. It keep, keeps everything cold. But this is a gas that works both ways. When it's hot outside, maybe you're talking about a heat pump. Cold. I don't know. Like heat pumps are a thing. That that's a heater and a cooling device. We have one here in this in this studio to yeah. regulate the temperature here. Sarah, uh, you can check online, look up heat pump, and see if that is uh, the thing you're looking for. And I I thank you for the call tonight. I don't know. Beats me. I'm not an HVAC tech, you know. It's not my uh, not my line of work. It's not HVAC talk live. No. But if someone is coming up with a, a really really efficient system for heating, now is the time because Europe is so screwed. I yeah. still I still love the compost heating system. Oh right? yeah, this is completely free mm-hmm. as long as you can afford a solar powered uh, aquarium pump. Right and and some uh, some some tubing to put under your flooring, uh, so basically you have a compost pile indoors. Uh, yeah, so your compost pile is outside. Oh, okay. Right, and what you do say. is you put a copper coil in the bottom center of your compost pile, uh-huh. and then you plumb some PEX, you know, plumbing uh, lines to mm-hmm. that, and then you plug those into your radiant flooring. Right, this okay. is very common, these radiant floors. Yep. Right? All nice. it is is just a little bit of water that runs through right. uh, underneath the flooring. And so you have to heat the water in order for the radiate yeah, heat yeah. to come up. So instead of using like a furnace or something to heat the water to do that, you're just taking the heat from your compost pile, which occurs naturally within composting. Huh. That's because it's just organic stuff breaking yeah. down. It creates heat. Mm-hmm. And so that's heating the copper coil inside of the compost. And then if you have a solar-powered aquarium pump, that's just moving the water. Keeping the and hot, it heats it enough to it, where you can actually. I'm just feel saying. It. I'm just saying. Yeah, 
That's amazing. I love the That's idea. Amazing. That's a cool idea. Uh, as long as you have an outdoor, right? Like if you're in one of those European apartment buildings, then yeah. you're SOL. Well, yeah, but here in New Hampshire, like, I mean, this could be something that every household has, right? Sure. I mean, sure. not every, but like as long as you're not in an apartment. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. Know, yeah. A lot of these Europeans are in right. apartment buildings. Or so. togetherments, as I yeah. like to call them, because they don't keep people apart. They bring <laughs> them together. That has not been my experience of apartments. It's very hard to like get together. Get to with know people. Other, yeah, it's yeah. very hard to get to know people that are well, in your apartment. apartments. Would be like you know, oh, we want to move you further away from everybody mm-hmm. else, apart from everybody else. But That's apartment the buildings cram for. them all into one building, and so now they're all together. I get your point, Captain. You know, it's something we haven't been hearing about. I mean, we heard a lot on the months running up to the winter time about how bad things were going to get in Europe. And I haven't heard, I'm sure they're experiencing whatever it is that they're, you know, the difficulties and the gas prices and everything. But I, I haven't seen the stories. I was stories. expecting massive death tolls, honestly. I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't had, well, and maybe I just haven't heard it because yeah. they have maybe an they're suppressing the stories. controlled media right. over yeah. there. That's true. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I, it it hasn't been bad enough that, that I have that I've uh, heard of anyway. Well, meanwhile, some I bet they're, of that's going to get out. Uh, meanwhile, I bet they're toasty warm at the Davos World Economic Forum this oh, week. Oh, I guarantee with that. With their 3,000 hookers they <laughs> trucked in. Yeah, even Greta Thunberg is there. Hmm? As a hooker? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she kind of is, but what was your question? <laughs> they did a head count? Yeah, I actually read an article the, like yesterday, day before, that apparently is something like three thousand prostitutes were brought in for the WEF meeting. <laughs> Can't blame them. I mean, there's money to be made. Bunch of uh, you know wealthy tyrants. The uh, oh, um, uh, one thing I did want to mention, uh, uh, since we're doing sort of a financial oriented one, uh, so they changed the way that they did uh, CPI numbers. Oh, so, again? Yeah, again. Like just recently? Yeah, just recently. Just Is that why it. the numbers have been go quote unquote going down? Yep. What did they and do? It, uh, so they moved it from being two years to being one year. Remind our listeners oh. why C- yeah. what CPI is and why it's important. Uh, uh, it's the uh, Consumer Price Index, uh, which it, it measures the, in theory, it measures uh, the uh, inflation of prices. Of some prices yeah, of some prices they changed the formula in like 1980 didn't mm-hmm. they and then uh, did they do it again after that and yeah 90 i think so yeah they've, they've they've been tweaking it and they'll do this and they'll do that and like yeah. oh we don't need to measure steak we'll measure ground beef instead and uh, little things like that it's it's mm-hmm. a very manipulated number now most recently it's a very big change because uh, it's a short-term very big change because in, instead of doing it by two years they do it by just one year so so over the next like three months, you're going to see the thing just plummet because the difference of one year is way bigger than if you measured it over two years. Okay, but when did this go into effect? Just recently, like, like within the last January first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say the uh, New York Times is saying it was six point five percent annually through December. So they're mm-hmm. still reporting the number, at least the most recent one, as being. An annual thing. Right. So this uh, this next one coming up is going to reflect the change that they just made in how they count the thing. Okay. So the the uh, so uh, Jay Powell's going to look like a genius. Oh, my! I raised it just perfectly, and we're ready for a soft landing. Mm. And see, now... So I think they're going to do the, the fabled pivot is uh, on its way. So, like, they went from uh, raising fr- by three quarters of, po- of, a, of a percentage point to half a percentage point 
point. Mm-hmm. I think the next one's probably like I thought the next one was going to be three quarters of a point. Now I see this and I'm like, oh, you have the excuse to just completely turn this thing around. Uh, so I think the next one's going to be uh, a quarter of a point instead of a half of a point, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the market's going to go, yay! I mean, isn't this one going to be obvious that they're going to start reporting two year instead of one no. year? Where did you? Where did, was this announced? Uh, Mark Moss was talking about it on uh, on his uh, podcast. So mm-hmm. that that was how I heard about it. I mean, I would think that they would just change the formulation rather than change the. And that's usually what they do is they change like how they're calculating it, number of years. But like, uh, no, they they decided to change it to uh, one year instead of two years. Two years Be- instead of one year, right? No, no, no. Uh, to to counting it by one year instead of counting it by two years, so that it isn't averaged out as much. So the shift is going to be much wider. I'm sorry. I thought you had said they changed it from an annual calculation to a every two years calculation. Nope, no, the other way, way around. Every two years is what it was, and now they're shifting to annual. Yeah. So it, and and, it, and see, that's okay. The thing. I'm totally confused because they've it's always only, been reporting it as annual. What am I missing here? Well, that they would take two years of data for your starting point. Okay, and then calculate the annual from that. Right now, it's just straight up annual. So oh, and that's I mi- the thing. totally misunderstood. And, that. and this isn't going to help them very much down the line. Clarity this is, is only going to help them for the next couple of counting sessions because of where we're coming from. Hmm. But it's going to give them the excuse to to uh, lighten up on the regulation of currency. So I think that, that that pivot is heading very soon. And these are some of the tricks that governments do, like uh, when the, the Fukushima nuclear thing happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a lot of concern, particularly on the West Coast, where I lived at the time, uh, about radiation and like, you know, oh, stock up on iodine and, you know, all this kind of thing. Uh, but what the government did is they just took whatever the number is that was supposed to be the safe amount of radiation for human beings, they just bump that up by like you know ten points or something, mm-hmm. yep. and and I go, oh, no, it's fine. It's totally within the, the yeah, tolerance. Kind of like that- how they changed the, the definition of recession, exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh, just a heads up on what this is going to mean. When the pivot comes, uh, there will initially be a rise in the values of like stocks and land and everything, and then there will be a sudden plummet that doesn't last very long. At least that's what happened every other time that they pivoted. Hmm. According to The Economist story, I just was looking to see what's going on in Europe. Uh, The energy crisis in Europe's astonishing luck. They say that temperatures are warmer this winter. So that is one reason why things are not as difficult thus far. Yay, global warming! As they (laughs) otherwise have been. You're welcome. Check these guys out. About a half an hour, they're going to start Beard Talk Live over at watch.freetalklive.com. And then we'll see you tomorrow night for more Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. 
you can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. 